0: And welcome back to another episode of the Rumcast. This is the podcast that talks all things rum-related with the people who love and shape it. My name's Will Hookinga. Here, as always, with my host, John Gullah John, we've got a fun little exercise today that we're gonna do, a little, a little bit of a a bracket challenge to try to determine what are the best 80-proof rums out there right now. And Listeners may be scratching their heads a little bit, being like, hey, aren't you the guys that constantly complain about 80-proof ROMs (laughs) and wish that there were higher-strength ROMs? And while that is true, I think it's really interesting and can be beneficial to, look, 80-proof ROMs are out there and they're going to be for a long time, so we may as well figure out which ones are the best, which ones are worth seeking out, which ones are priced correctly, which ones are overpriced, and all that sort of thing. So we've we've got some setup of like how we decided which rums to do and, and that sort of thing that we'll get into in a second. But, you know, it, it's, it's the intro of the episode. It's a couple of days. We're recording this on Tuesday before Thanksgiving. That's coming up. This episode will come out a couple of days after Thanksgiving. So everyone's got the, the holidays on the brain. I know you're Wrapping up work, I think you have a little bit mm. more to do tomorrow, so your al- your brain is almost in mini vacation mode. But you know what? What do you look forward to about Thanksgiving? What what do you have any? Do you have any out there kind of popular side dish side dish takes, or do you eat anything unusual at Thanksgiving? What are kind of your go to things at the at the Thanksgiving table? What are you reaching for first?
1: Oh man! Well, before I answer that, yes, my brain is already on mini vacation, even <laughs> though I do have to work tomorrow. But you know. I, I, I think fairly traditional in terms of Thanksgiving. Like, you just mentioned, and I hope I'm not blowing up your spot here before you get to it, but you just mentioned you're doing a pork loin, and I'm I'm like, oh, Uh you're not doing a turkey? No. Uh, So, like, for me, turkey is the traditional, and although I would welcome a pork loin, (laughs) I I still feel like I would want turkey. I love smoked turkey, and I've had that a few times. We've had the fried turkeys, and those are excellent, although dangerous. Fried turkey Uh, is really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I would say... The most maybe weird one, I don't know if this is weird, but it's different, is uh, there's a sweet potato casserole okay. that my mom and now my wife also makes. That is, there's one, you know, like, have you ever seen the one with the marshmallows on top? Yeah, uh-huh, the, for sure. Okay, so there's that one. Kind of torched I think that's part, marshmallows. Right, yeah. right. That one's good. It's fine. It's fine, you know. Okay. It's okay. But there's one with, like, nuts on top, and it's a Ooh. little bit sweeter and it's okay. got this like caramelized, uh, you know, nut crusted kind of. The nut topping. version is sweeter than the marshmallow version. I think it is, actually. Interesting. I think, yeah, I'm not sure if it's, you know, just the recipe calls for more sugar to be added to the sweet potatoes or something. Um, but or maybe it's the, the nut mix on top also has like sugar and sugar and right goodness like that sprinkled yeah. in, probably. Yeah. That yeah. could be it. It's very desserty almost, yeah. even though I don't eat it as a dessert. Mm-hmm. But it's it's great. I prefer I I, I want all the carbs, Will. Yeah. I want the mashed potatoes, I want the sweet potatoes, I, I want all of those sides, the stuffing, the dry uh-huh. Dressing. That's a debate right there. By the way, is it you stuffing call it dressing or, dressing or stuffing?
0: Well, I grew up in a stuffing household. Oh no, no, no! Sorry, <laughs> I grew up in a dressing household. Which I feel okay. like dressing is. I feel like you hear that more in the South. So. And but I married into a family that calls it stuffing, so okay I go go back and forth. I, I think this year my mother in law is making her stuffing, which so it'll be stuffing this year. And that actually is one of my favorite things. Okay, uh, so stuffing, my wife's you know also yeah. I like ones that have like a lot of herbs in there. There's got to be like some some rosemary and all those yeah. you know classic herbs, and you know dump some gravy on top. So good. I love love stuffing, love dressing, whatever you call it. It's good.
1: I like stuffing also, although I'm particular with it. I want it to have good texture. It can't be mushy. Mushy, yeah, yeah. Mushy stuffing or dressing or whatever you want to call it. I think I call it stuffing too, by the way. It doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't do anything for me. At that yeah. point. So it's got to have good texture. It's got to have something going on. Also, nuts. I like nuts in, in my stuffing. Interesting. Uh, I don't think I've ever had nuts in stuffing before. Yeah. Yeah. It works. It okay. works. You can do like walnuts or something like that. I could see it.
0: People put all sorts of interesting stuff. I, I think some people put, what's the seafood that's in stuffing sometimes? Seafood? Uh,
1: yeah. They'll, they'll what? do like a, it's not, I
0: was going to say octopus, but it's not that. It's like um, <laughs> it's squid? Of, a, a calamari, C- maybe? Cuttlefish? Um,
1: uh Hold on. No, I've never heard of this. No,
0: this isn't coming up at all so maybe i made this up in my head i I do know some some people put uh sausage and stuffing and things like that so um there's all kinds of variations but uh but yeah i'm 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 a big stuffing dressing guy and i love mashed potatoes and gravy is kind of a a go-to classic for me that i always love so and i love eating things other than turkey on thanksgiving so okay uh, last two years you know i've I've gone i've had enough i've had enough roast turkeys in my life it's time to You know, eat things that people tend to enjoy more than once a year because they're actually good. So that's what I go for instead of turkey.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so you just don't like turkey at all now? You're done. I don't dislike it at all.
0: It's just a low ceiling food. Hmm. The best version of turkey is almost impossible to achieve. And if you do, it's still like you're just hoping and praying. It hasn't dried out in the middle and that the outside has stayed crispy it's such a fine line of being able to nail it and even if you do the best possible version of a roast chicken tastes better than a roast turkey it just does john you can't argue with me it just does that's why the roast chicken oh. is served year-round
1: and the roast turkey is only brought out for the holidays out of tradition oh, oh but i can argue with you <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're not going to spend too much time arguing on this but i will say at roast chicken most times you're right it's much easier to nail but but there's something about a turkey that when you get it right, especially like, you, you know, fried or smoked, you don't get that in chicken, right? Uh, I, I've had smoked yeah, chicken. You, that's you good, get something but, better.
0: You get something better.
1: Well, we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this one here. But I was gonna ask you as we're moving into talking about rum, do you have a Thanksgiving rum? Is there something you bring out for Thanksgiving?
0: No, I don't have a, do it, it'll, it'll yeah. just be
1: whatever, whatever strikes me,
0: you know, it'll yeah. probably be something I don't, Reach for as often, maybe something that I want to take my time with, kind of yeah. a more special occasion type rum. I'm realm. with you. Yeah. So, I, and I'm I'm not one to be extremely precious over like wanting to hang on to bottles forever, but I do have some right. that I'm just like, you know, I want to enjoy this slowly over the period of a couple of years, as opposed to you know six months or something like that. So yeah, I'll probably pull out one of those bottles that that I go through a little slower so I can appreciate it a little bit longer. And speaking of appreciating rum, I do we 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 don't often do this. Every now and then we have a sponsor on the show. We do have a sponsor for this episode. And I just want to do a quick teaser. I, I think people, listeners, will be interested to hear this one because for the first time ever it's a discount on the rum cast for something that was a pretty popular product it's not a rum but it is something that many people the types of people who listen to our podcast were very interested in buying over the last year or so so i'm excited for people to hear that but before we transition to the topic of the show i do want to do a little setup of just why we're doing this in the first place sure and the reason goes back to when we were doing our mailbag episode, we got a question that sparked so much thought between us that we were mm-hmm. like, we should just do a whole episode about this. And it was a question from Sam, which was, what are the best 40% sippers if money was no object? And what's the best value at 40%? And so we kind of leaned into the latter portion of that question of what's the best value at 40%. And like you know, I was saying earlier, We we so often are begging producers to release stuff, even just a little bit over 40%. But... Like I also said, 40% uh, for many reasons is kind of here to stay. And I was also I was kind of thinking, you know, I'd heard little bits and pieces over the years of like why that's kind of the default standard for most mm-hmm. spirits, because it's not just rum. It's it's every major spirit category has lots of releases at 80 proof. And I, I found um, a pretty good article on VinePair that came out a, a, a few years ago, I believe in 2020 by a writer named Tim McCurdy about this subject of like, why is everything 80 proof? I'll link to it in the show notes, but I kind of wanted to summarize my main takeaways from it, Mm -hmm. which are the two biggest factors I think are extremely simple and easy to understand. So I'll start with (laughs) those, which is... 80 proof is the minimum alcohol level allowed by law in the US for most if not all spirit categories. So, right. if you want to label something rum or whiskey or whatever, there are more rules than just this, but it has to be a minimum of 80 proof. Otherwise, it's going to be, you know, like a distilled specialty spirit or a, a you know, a rum a liqueur, liqueur or something like that, or, mm-hmm. and it won't, you know, legally be whatever the spirit you're going for. And right. then the second motivating factor is that the higher the proof, the higher the tax for producers so yeah the the primary reasons i think are sort of economic and financial and dictated by the the Essential, essentially the law of, of the U.S. Right. And I'm sure other countries have minimum proof requirements as well. But they're Interest- even lower, some of that. Yeah, like, yeah. American some Republic of The
1: public goes to like 37% I've seen. Yeah, those. yeah. And,
0: and there's several Latin American countries mm-hmm. I'm aware of that mm-hmm. you know, can do 37, 37 and a half, I think. Right. So you see right. that a lot. Sometimes they have two versions. They have like a 37 and a half percent for local markets and mm-hmm. a 40% mm-hmm. version for export markets. But another interesting thing that the article pointed out was that around like the, the like there were there was a lot of historical precedent, obviously, for stuff being bottled above 80 proof, particularly in age spirits like whiskey. It was very right. common to see stuff that was bottled well above that. And then around the 1950s, there was kind of a shift in consumer tastes thanks to. There were, uh, like, lighter-profile Canadian whiskeys that had come over, especially during Prohibition. There was lower-proof blended scotch that had started becoming popular. Um, So, like, there was already sort of a shifting taste towards these lighter-bodied, you know, easier-drinking, more approachable spirits. And then in the 80s, there was a big boom in kind of 80-proof clear spirits like vodka. Mm -hmm. Vodka, Light beer came out and was really big. Whiskey sales were at record lows. And so, a lot of producers then, even of age spirits, started dialing back the strength on some of their higher proof products. But now, you know, I think in recent years, there's been more of a shift towards proofs ticking back up, particularly in categories like whiskey. And we're even seeing it a little bit in rum. We're starting to see more of the producers we talk about regularly on the show putting out higher strength versions. I know a lot of the products from Foursquare, like the Doorly's line, has started ticking up a lot of their strengths. And, you know, we've seen it in other producers as well. So it's really kind of that combination of economics and consumer preference, I believe, is kind of like the the biggest drivers of it. And so, you know, one of the things is if you want more than 80 proof, you need to tell producers because... In right. many ways, they're incentivized to, to give it to you at the minimum, basically, right. at least financially. So mm-hmm. anyway, I just thought that was kind of interesting. And I'm I'm giving a very high level summary of that. But if, if yeah. you want like more details, I'll link to that article. And I'm sure there are many more articles and research that's been done out there. So. Yeah.
1: And another point to add there is I think there is a the conception among most people is that proof equals flavor right? So the higher the proof, the more flavor is in the liquid. Mm -hmm. And I think that generally holds true, I would say. But, you know, there's a diminishing return also with it, I think. But, you know, it's not a one-to-one with this rum versus that rum, which is why we're setting this whole exercise up in the first place, right? To see what are the differences in all of these different rums as uh, sipping experiences, even though they are all at a uh, 80 proof. Yeah,
0: definitely the, there's a wide range. Like some rums can drink really well at lower proofs. Some rums do a lot better at higher proofs. Some rums right. tend to just you know, you can't really they they get too intense at high like there's there's a there's a a sweet spot for most yeah. spirits. And I think we have a tendency to think 80 proof is well below the sweet spot for most. And I would say that's by and large true to me, especially if we're talking about rum specifically. Mm-hmm. I think most 80 proof rums could benefit from bumping that up some but i do think there are some it's possible there's some out there that do it well and so we want to figure out what are the best ones so i think we can take a little break and then we'll come back and we will talk about how we decided on these rums how we're going to compare them and get into all the details Hey, Rumcasters, if you've listened to the show for a while now there's one rum website that you've probably heard john and i reference more than any other and that's Rumwalk.com. matt petrick's website full of deep dives into the many corners of the rum world well recently matt and co-author carrie smith went beyond the website and published their most definitive deep dive to date modern caribbean rum a hardcover 850-page book that takes you inside 75 distilleries in 20 Caribbean rum-making regions, and much more. And now, through December 10th, you can get 10% off Modern Caribbean rum by going to wonkpress.com, that's W-O-N-K-press.com, and using promo code RUMCAST. Plus, Matt and Carrie will sign your copy at no additional cost. This is the first time they've offered a discount on the book and it'll only be around until December 10th. So go to wonkpress.com and use promo code RUMCAST when you purchase a copy of modern Caribbean rum. If you're craving a deeper understanding of the world of Caribbean rum, you'd have a tough time finding a better place to start than this book. It looks at the region's rum from so many different angles, including its history, classifications, the business of rum, every step of production from the cane fields to the aging warehouses, and much more. Plus, the book is full of 900 photographs and images that really bring the subject to life. So again, you can get 10% off your copy by using promo code RUMCAST at wonkpress.com through December 10th, and it will be signed at no additional cost. So go to wonkpress.com now to grab the deal. Now back to the show.
1: Okay, we're back with our 40% or 80 proof rum off, you might say here. Uh, in, in a, a first for us, Will, where we're going to do this in part because there are just so many 80 proof rums out there on the market. We struggled with how would we even tackle this question to begin with? Yeah. And there's no perfect way to do this, but we found that, well, how can we just add value to the conversation and bring a little bit of perspective in? Of course, this is going to be our own opinions, right? Nothing more than just how we experience these and what we think about them. But we yeah. think there's some value in that. And you know, for those of you at home that are going to have these rums, play along with us, see what you think with it. But the idea is we're going to do a bracket. So Will, this, I know you This you're- was an
0: ingenious yeah. little wrinkle that you came up with because we you know, we kind of texted back and forth. We weren't sure how we were gonna approach it, and I think you almost jokingly introduced the yeah. idea of a bracket. I was like wait a second, <laughs> there's something to this. So I'm excited to, to, to get into this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we should be doing this in March, really. But <laughs> here we are in, in November, and we're going to start a bracket here. And and if it's uh, a fun thing that works out well, we can do more of them in the future. Uh, maybe even more 40 proof, because Lord knows there's, there's more out there than just 10 that we're doing today. But Will, so we're starting with 10 I said 40 proof, I meant 40%, sorry. Uh, <laughs> we'll probably mix that up a bunch throughout this yeah. episode. So 40% or 80 proof. And there's a lot of these. We're going to pick 10 that we both, we kind of had these available and were yeah. able to get the same lineup, which is why these 10 are the choices. And partly there's, there's other reasons. You know, one is we, we either may find something interesting about them. Or just, you know, wanted to put them head to head and see how they did. So I think, uh, yeah, Will, why don't you tell them kind of how we set this up and how we're going to move forward?
0: Yeah. So like you said, we started with, there's a million choices we could have had. We started with 10 and we basically both went through our cabinets and asked ourselves What are the 80 proof rums that we already have Mm -hmm. that are also just common 80 proof rums that people buy? And the question was specifically talking about sipping as well. So we wanted to shy away from rums that are seen purely as – or. for the most part, mixers. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to do stuff that's widely available, that's common. A lot of these are things that are maybe referred to as gateway rums sometimes. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to start with ones that people would be familiar with and that are widely available and kind of representative of what the 80 proof rum market looks like. Now, that being said, there are a bunch of rums that John and I listed (laughs) that we are not including in this because, A, we want this to, you know, to be practical practical let's start with what we have right. a couple of these bottles we did run out and get but also you know we don't want to do a, a, a bracket with 40 rums that's going to be you know six it's hours insane. long to listen yeah. to and, and we're both yeah. passed out by the end of it so <laughs> what i will say is i think if this goes well this is the kind of thing that we can continue so for example if we finish out this bracket and we have a winner at the end of it or one that we think is the best of the group we can pit that one against future brackets because there are many other rums that we could bring into this and what we did do was we narrowed it down to a specific type of rum or not Mm -hmm. super specific but at least a broad category of rum there's something that these all have in common a they are aged and b they are molasses based so right. i think what i could see a future of if if people enjoy this episode and tell us if you do is we'd be happy to to do more of these and just you know keep churning out figuring out <laughs> what which which 80 <laughs> proof rum you know can last among all these all these bracket challenges into um, or, the meta bracket you Exactly might say. yeah yes. and we we could apply this to other categories beyond AD proof as well of course but mm-hmm. all that to say is just you know before you write to us and say, I can't be- believe you left this out. Right. We We know. We're, yeah. <laughs> we're aware that there are some <laughs> iconic 80 proof rums that are not in this. This is just chapter one, I guess you could say. Unless you hate the episode, think it's stupid and we shouldn't do anymore. (laughs) In which case, if that's the overwhelming reaction, (laughs) this this may be the last one. (laughs) But we're going to have fun with this. And the first thing you have to do when creating a bracket is come up with the seeding. So, you know, if you're not into bracketology and and sports tournaments Mm -hmm. and things like that, seeding is essentially how you determine the matchups. So traditionally in the world of sports, the team's that are the best, you know, either ranked the highest or have the best record. They get the high seeds, the number one seed being the best team. And then the lowest seed goes to the smaller teams that maybe aren't didn't finish the year as strong that sort of thing and so you match you start out matching up the highest seed against the lowest seed and then you have you know the two goes against in in this case since it's 10 seeds the one matches up against the 10 two matches up against nine and so on and so on until you get to the middle so what we had to do was we didn't want to like pre-rank these in terms of perceived quality because we want right. to go in with a fresh perspective obviously john and i at at various points i think have had all of these rums some of them i had them so long ago i honestly don't remember that much about them but so what we tried to do was award the highest seeds to the rums that have what i would say is, is either they're extremely popular or generally respected among the rum community I would say and I think we factored price a little bit price is a little bit of a factor in terms of the seating but generally it was it was a little bit about just broad how we think these rums are perceived within the mm. rum community because we know there are some rums in here that people you know purists will maybe turn their knob or turn their knobs turn their noses <laughs> up at a little bit um, and there are ones that come from distilleries that you know are kind of iconic rum producers and maybe have a little bit you know more of a sterling reputation. So that's right. kind of
1: anything to add there John? No, just other than we're going to go through these and we're going to give information as we do the brackets. Yeah. That's you know so it's it's more than just us tasting these things and giving immediate feedback and going. It's also kind of a, a holistic view of them. Some of which some of these as you mentioned will they may have sugar added. There's yeah. no other way to say it, right? Yeah. And, you know, we, we're aware of that. Many forty percent uh, ABV rums do. So it's kind of hard to avoid if we're gonna hold, hold up the ideal of what you said about availability, about you know some of just the general market of rum mm-hmm. without including them. So yeah. w- we're aware. We we obviously tend to skew towards dry rums or no sugar added rums. And, you know, maybe that comes out in our preferences as we do this. And I think that's okay. But I also don't think it would be okay to just simply ignore all of them. Now that, that said, Will, we did try to pick ones that I think we knew, okay, if they have sugar added, it's not a ton, mm-hmm. right? In most cases, at least, right? We can say that. So we're staying away from the ones, you know, Boom Boo is not in here, right? right. A- and some of the other ones that might have a really reputation for for having, you know, way too much sugar added. So that's, that's going to be an interesting thing, I think, to see how those stack up against the no sugar added. I-, I actually will just as a preface to this, I went to a recent event in Miami here, the Rum Renaissance Festival, I think mm-hmm. you know it, because we met there. And One thing I noticed was I I went ahead and tried some of the rums that were there that had sugar added, and I knew they had sugar added, and, you know, I still enjoy them. The ones that are not sickly sweet. Yeah. So there's something about them to enjoy, even if you may have a preference for no sugar added. So it's partly to me about also finding, well, how much do they stack up against some of these other ones? And mm-hmm. and what does that look like at the end?
0: We're going to quickly run down the list of rums that we're doing. So I'll do them in order of seeds. So our number one seed, El Dorado 15. Our number two seed, Admiral Rodney HMS Royal Oak. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Our number three seed is Don Q Gran Reserva. Number four seed is El Dorado 12. Number five seed, Santa Teresa 1796. Number six seed, Ron Abuelo XV or 15, the Napoleon, which is the cognac cask finish. Seven seed, Havana Club 7. Eight seed, Money Musk Classic Gold. Nine seed, Brugal, 1888, and Tin Seed, 10 to 1 dark. So, kind of a wide range, I would say, of widely available popular rums, some that have been mm-hmm. around for a while, some that are newer to the scene, like 10 to 1 mm-hmm. dark. And Mm -hmm. again, this is not meant to be like, these are the most iconic 80 proof rums. (laughs) It's a, it's a blend of ones that I do think there are some iconic ones in there, but also some of it is just a blend of what we have and stuff that is kind of making the rounds in the rum world is widely available. So Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any rums in there that people are just like, well, I've never heard of that. You know, if, if you're a, a, if you're a rum geek, which if you're listening, you probably are. So we are going to do this, the, the first two head-to-head matchups that we're going to do. We're going to start with the uh, eight seed, seven seed. Sorry, these numbers are tiny on my screen. The eight seed versus the nine seed, which is Money Must Gold versus Rugal, 1888. And then we're going to do uh, Havana Club 7 versus 10 to 1 Dark, which is the seven seed versus the 10 seed. So, John... Are you ready to, I've got these first two in front of me, the Brugal 1888 and the Monty Musk Classic Gold. Do we want to start nosing these and and filling listeners in on a little bit of the background on each of the rums?
1: Yeah, I've got them lined up here and I'm ready to go. And the first thing I will say is looking at these two side by side is the color is very different. The Monty Musk that I have is far lighter in color than the Brugal. The Brugal 1888 is is, um, very dark.
0: It, it is quite dark for
1: what it is. Yeah, it almost makes me feel like I wonder if there's any added coloring in there because it is quite dark and I know it's not super old, but you know, there's a lot of things that go into that in terms of how the the coloring comes out of a barrel. So, yeah. So, I'll quickly
0: break down sort of what we're dealing with here as as we kind of nose them. So, Brugal 1888, this is a Dominican Republic rum, column still aged in ex-bourbon and sherry casks. It's no age statement. Details online are a little bit all over the place. Some, yeah. As is typical with a lot of these releases, you, know, you go try to find the straightforward information. It's not always easily accessible. So you start going to the reviews and you see in one place it says five to 14 years, others say six to eight years. I did finally, I looked up the uh, Brugal 1888 label. Since I did not have the bottle in front of me, you you sent me a sample, mm-hmm. and the the written in Spanish on the label it says an aging of up to eight years in ex bourbon American oak barrels, followed by a second aging of up to six years in single use Spanish oak previously used to age sherry. So it, it is a blend of. You know, rums up to eight or up to six years. There is, according to online sources, a small amount of sugar added. I've seen four grams per liter, uh, according to ALCO, which is one of the databases linked on rum revelations. And uh, the other thing we're, we're going to consider as we the, uh, compare these is the average price as well. Mm-hmm. So, When I say average, it's not a literal average. I just perused online, saw some different numbers, and said, it's about here. So the average price of Rue 1888, I think, tends to be somewhere around $43.99. Then on the other hand, Monty Musk Classic Gold, this is a Jamaican rum. It's a blend of column and pot still rums that come from Clarendon and Long Pond, according to the label. And it's aged for a minimum of five years in ex bourbon barrels, according to the label as well. Typically priced somewhere around thirty five ninety nine, and mm-hmm. no sugar added. So, John, what as I've been talking, I think you've probably been giving these little nos. Anything I that have. stands out to you right away between the two?
1: Well, I, you know, the first thing I'm going to say is I I like both of these. I I really like the nose on both of these. The Mani Musk gives me that. Uh, I guess that's why they call it the classic. It, it gives you a classic rum, Jamaican rum nose. Mm-hmm. It does. It's not it's not bowling me over, but it you know it's a 40% ABV, so I don't expect it to. And it's it's very pleasant. I feel like I can smell a little bit of the pot still in it. Yeah which is great. You know, it's not hidden, but it's not overpowering. It just, it feels, it smells like a quality rum. It does. It, it hits
0: you right away that it's Jamaica. It just all the, you know, so many signature notes are there. And it's a, you know, to me, I haven't had this rum in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, pleasant surprise, at, at the complexity of the nose. It's not overly complex, but it's a sure. really pleasant nose. You get, I, I'm getting like, you know, classic kind of banana, pineapple, just the fruity, like little touch. At this point in my rum journey, I wouldn't even refer to it as funk. I think yeah. to the uninitiated, there's like a hint of Maybe. funk, like more so than I think you would get in an Appleton 8 or something like that.
1: There, There's almost that musk. I, I, I don't know how better to describe it. Yeah. But there's a musk there also that I get from very high quality rums that is in this rum that is, you know, like you mentioned, the average price is $35. You just don't find that very often. Yeah, well, and especially in one that
0: also calls itself classic gold. I feel like when yeah. you get the, the gold or dark or, you know, whatever descriptors in an aged rum, that generally is going to connote budget rum. So, yeah, really pleasantly surprised. And on the other end, the Brugal yep. 1888, obviously comparing Jamaican Republic, rum, all column still to Jamaican, uh, poly, blend, pot, column blend. <laughs> I swear I haven't started. I haven't had a drop to drink today. Um, obviously, there's going to be a big difference and right. i think rum geeks have a little bit of a bias toward the jamaican side of things a little bit bolder flavors mm-hmm. but the brugal 1888 is a really nice nose for that it style is. of rum it's it's very clean but you get that kind of like t- tobacco heavy oak yep. Spice, yep, right. just mm-hmm. just a, a, a completely different approach to rum making that is yeah. apparent right away. So, but really are pleasant. You, yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, it's like I don't. I feel like I'm I'm sitting in like a like a An, a, a like a well decorated office. No, like a classy no? cigar lounge. Almost oh, okay. sort of is are okay. the close. There's some leather like, furniture. Exactly. You know, there's say there's, there's we some yeah. someone isn't currently smoking, but you can tell that people <laughs> have recently smoked in there. You got that? <laughs> there's yeah, books kinda, of all kinds in this room. Le, yeah, leather. Bound books, everything like that. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to taste. I'm going to start with the Brugal 1888. Um, While
1: you're tasting that, do you nose a lot of the sherry? Because I know you're fairly sensitive to sherry finishes. I'm not even sure you can call this a finish. It's aged up to six years. You know, that's a secondary maturation, right? I do. You
0: know, I wasn't picking up on it as much at first. But even though I just read the sherry thing, I, I kind of like I wasn't looking for it. And as I go back... I do notice it more there now. It's it's that kind of nuttiness to yeah. it that it adds. Mm-hmm. And I will say this is the amount of sherry influence that I prefer. It's not super heavy-handed sherry influence to me. It's a nice balance yeah. between the two, I think.
1: I, I agree. I think they struck a good balance with this product. And I think it's sweet, but not overly sweet. You know, I I could probably tell and pick out of a lineup that I feel like this has some a little bit of sugar in it. Although I'm, um, you know, when, when you're looking at the number on a page, you already feel like it's like your brain matches that up. Right. So who knows? But I feel like I would have got it, but it doesn't bother me. It's not a, a level of sugar or sweetness that I feel like I can't drink this. This is, it's nice. I, I agree. And I think if you had blindfolded me and not told me
0: what the rum was or where it came yep. from and I just tasted it, I'm not sure I would have immediately thought, oh, this is definitely sweetened. Mm. So it's yeah. not out of
1: control sweetening. Like I said, I would love to try it without it to be able yeah. to compare. But what I will say about the the palette on it is it's, I wouldn't call it one dimensional, but it's like one and a half dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's just not very complicated in, in its palette and there's not a lot to find there, but what is there is well done. Yeah, I, I
0: don't have anything to disagree with there. I will say the, um, the finish is better than I was expecting on it. It doesn't just immediately die. Like a lot of 80 proof rums do Mm -hmm. the flavors Mm -hmm. it is giving, which is kind of more of, uh, what was on the nose. You know, we, we're not going to get too deep into exhaustive notes Mm -hmm. and and things like that, but it hangs around for a little bit. There's a little bit of evolution, not a ton. It's not super complex, but it is, it's an enjoyable, easy drinking rum, particularly if, if what you like, if you're Interested in more oak forward, barrel driven flavor in exactly.
1: rum. I think this that, would appeal to that drinker. Yeah, it's hundred percent right. I just, I know we're we're probably gonna end up saying this about a few of these, is my guess. But I wish I had this at fifty percent. <laughs> uh, that's that's my first thought. Is man, I would probably love this at fifty percent. The
0: the me. first rule of this episode, I <laughs> think, John needs to be no
1: wishing for higher proof versions. <laughs> I, I guess you're right, but it's hard. It's, you know, it's the first bracket here. It's hard, but we'll see if that carries through and I, I won't mention it again or maybe I will and just piss you off, but um, <laughs> I'll, that, try to, I'll try to hold you in check. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things with this is because
0: these styles are so different is how we will compare these because they're in some way they're trying to do similar things in other ways they're trying to do different things. And so I right. think a lot of it's going to come down to the value you get for the money and also, just which to me a big factor is going to be which brings, which is more robust at the proof, basically, which makes me wish less that it was higher proof. I think <laughs> is going to be a, a separator. So I'm gonna I'm gonna shift over to the Monty Musk now and go back to that nose. It's it's a really nice nose, and you also get a lot of those. There's the fruitiness, but there's also the sweeter notes, kind of like the the bakery yep. type notes, a little. Exactly. spices.
1: You almost get but, a little a little doughy. Yeah. Yeah,
0: like a banana bread kind mm-hmm. of thing going on as opposed mm-hmm. to just, you know, crazy overripe bananas. It's it's not that type of, you know, oh, no. rotting banana yeah. funk or anything. Maybe a little bit of coconut in there too. I didn't pick up on that as first, but I'm hmm. getting that on the
1: nose now. I I'm going to finally shut up and drink this thing. So interestingly, as I'm drinking this one, I feel similarly that there's a, you know, one and a half kind of dimensions here. It's good. What it does, it does really well. I actually think this one has less of a finish for me. I, uh, yeah. I've yeah, i only had one sip, so I'm going to go back. But I'm thinking in that direction as well. It, it kind of comes and
0: goes. Yeah, I will say this one, it's a little bit of... I don't want to go as strong as a letdown from the nose to the palate. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the fruity character I get on the nose doesn't come through as nope. much on the palate, which is a bit of a disappointment. You're spot on. I do think another thing to note with these is the Monemus Classic Gold is I really think it's not purely designed to be a mixer at 35.99 mm-hmm. but I do think within their range it's probably leaning a little bit more toward mixing applications as opposed to the Brugal 1888 which is further up the Brugal range and I think intended yeah. more to be primarily as a sipper. Whereas, I think, what's the, the next one in the Monty Musk line? The the special, special. reserve? Yeah, um, yeah. Something to that. Yep. Some superlatives like that. I feel like that's probably the direct one-to-one with Rugal 1888. Um, which, again, this isn't a perfect exercise. Part of it's sure. what we have on hand. But we also, we, we didn't want to completely write off rums that may skew a little bit more toward mixing. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, you can get surprises from those rums. You know, the other thing between these, I do get, they're 80 proof. So... You know, for drinkers like us, I don't think we're going to be like, oh, that burns. You know, I do get a little bit more of an alcohol bite from the money musk than I do the Brugal, gall, which some Same. of that might go back to that little the bit sugar. of added sugar, which irritates me a little bit. Yep. That's yep. the part of it that like slightly feels like cheating to me when I think yeah. about it. Yeah. But different rum making traditions. OK,
1: I don't do you have do you have a, a verdict, John? I do. I I think it's fairly close, so I don't think this is a blowout for me. But believe it or not, I think I'm going with the Brugal. I am actually, I'm in
0: agreement with you. Yeah. I I really thought going into this that I would end up favoring the Monument. You know, I'm trying to approach this with a blank slate, you know, fresh Mm -hmm. start for all these rums mentality, But just knowing my own tastes, I know I gravitate towards Jamaica a lot more than Dominican Republic lighter column still cask driven flavor rums, um, and especially ones that have a little bit of sugar added. But if I'm just judging these on which one I think is a more enjoyable sipping experience right now, I give slight edge to Brugel 1888, just a bit of a longer finish. Yep, And there there wasn't a letdown from nose to palate with that rum. Mm-hmm. And there there was one with Money Musk. If the Money Musk palate had tasted like the nose, yep. it would have won hands down for me. But it did not. So I, I'm going to give the edge to Rugal.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm with you on all of that. I, you know, I was ready to fight you on this, but uh, <laughs> it seems like we're, we're in agreement. And th- this is not to say that the Money Musk doesn't have a lot of good qualities to it. And at its price point, I do agree with you. I think it's a, a, a decent entry, right? For people who haven't yeah. experienced many Jamaican rums, uh, you could do a lot worse than this bottle. So sure. from that standpoint, it, it's nice, and it's nice to think you know this is our first of the of all the brackets, and I I, I found them both to be decent and enjoyable. Yeah, so, neither yeah. of these I
0: would like absolutely turn my nose up at right. if I right. were in a position to be sipping it. So, yeah, honestly, I, it, it, that's not really an upset because uh, Brugal eighteen eighty eight was the eight seed, Monty Musk yep. was a nine seed, so. You know, it's a toss up essentially. But yeah, a a little surprise. That's what we went with. And we should inform listeners, you know, they're probably thinking, well, what happens if you guys disagree on a rum? How is it (laughs) going to advance? I do think we'll try to reach a consensus between the two of us. But if we're just absolutely at loggerheads and one of us or both of us won't budge, we have... Agreed between the two of us that will go with price as a tiebreaker, uh, b- yep. begrudgingly So that's yep. our plan. We'll see how that goes and if that is <laughs> tenable or not. Okay,
1: well, that was that was fun. I'm going to set these aside and I'm going to pull out our next two rums. So while you do that, I'll, I'll introduce the next two. The next two is the seven seed Havana Club Seven and the 10 seed 10 to one dark. I guess we didn't do that on purpose. But Havana Club Seven is the 7, oh my god! I didn't and even ten to one dark is the ten. <laughs> that's hilarious! I, yeah, that was not intentional. I think it was just fate, yeah. maybe destiny. One of those ah. things was at work. So with the Havana Club Seven, so this is a Cuban, an actual Cuban rum. Yes, that's hard to get here in the U.S. But yeah, this is uh, not you know.
0: the this is not the Puerto Rico Bacardi right. Havana
1: Club. Right. So this is the the Havana Club 7, which is, uh, as you mentioned, Will, I think this one is kind of branded a little bit between the mixer slash sipper. So that's a good thing to kind of keep in mind. This is uh, made at two distilleries. So Santa Cruz del Norte and San Jose distilleries. And it's a all column still and aged seven years in ex-whiskey barrels is what they say. And then we do know that there's likely a very small amount of sugar added here. Willie, you put in the notes, the website said 0. 0.4 grams per 100 milliliters. So wait, what does that even work out to I, I in think grams I, per liter? I, I th-
0: I, yeah, I, I think I've seen on other sites that do hydrometer readings, it works out to similar to like the Brugal 1888, like somewhere around okay. four grams per liter or something like that. So I, I think it's a similar amount of small touch of, of sugar added.
1: Got it. Okay. And then the average price, we have around 30 to $32 or so in and around there. So cheaper than both of the other seats, actually. Yeah. Okay. And then on the other side, in the next corner, it's the <laughs> 10 to 1 Dark, which is a multi-country blend. An eight-year column still rum from Barbados and Dominican Republic, a high ester pot still Jamaican rum, and a column still Trinidad rum. So we don't have too much information on which distilleries, although I'm sure we could probably guesstimate a little bit. But as a multi-country blend, and and I remember when we had, was it Mark Farrell Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. From 10 to 1? He talked a lot about how he came up with this blend and what was behind it. It was meant to, to represent the Caribbean as a whole in an attempt to do that. And then, in fact, the name 10 to 1, 10 countries to 1 was kind of representative of that. It is a no sugar added rum. And the average price on this one, a little high. A little, little high, I thought, for some of it at forty four ninety nine, which yeah. I remember seeing it for about that price here also. So, okay, so we've got those two lined up. Will, you've been starting to nose. I'm going to nose myself here. Yeah, I started with what the Havana Club 7 because, again, kind of the way
0: I try to approach these is whichever one I think is going to be milder or subtler, that's the one I'm going to approach first. So yeah. Havana Club 7... Similar style to the the nose of the Brugal 1888, but a lot very different in a lot of ways, too. I think a lot of people will think, OK, both, you know, column still rums from uh, Latin American countries. This is going to be about the same. They're very, very different. Um,
1: yeah. Well, n- no sherry at all
0: here. Yeah. No, no sherry at right. all. And also just a lot more cut and dry, I would say, with yeah. this nose. A little bit less going on. Very simple and straightforward. Uh, agreed. But, Another, but not
1: unpleasant. Yeah, No, not
0: unpleasant. You know, it does have a, like a little bit of a nuttiness, but it's not a sherry nuttiness in it.
1: I agree. Like, it's It also
0: yeah. has that kind of like wet cardboard vibe a little
1: bit. And uh, graham cracker
0: is a lot of what I get with this.
1: You know, I think you're right on. And what I'm actually getting out of this is scotch. Oh, interesting. I, I'm getting scotch notes out of this, whereas a lot of rums are ex-bourbon, and this one may be, for all I know, although it says ex-whiskey barrels, so maybe it's not. Maybe there is some some scotch in there, but I'm I'm getting some scotch notes out of this. That's interesting. I, I, my like brain didn't go scotch. Specifically side, but, but definitely, I mean, it's still a rum, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm not mistaking it for scotch, but there's like this side scotch notes in there. Well, and I haven't explored the world of of scotches as, as much as
0: you have, so mm. I, I'm not. I don't even know if I've had a space scotch or not. I think most of the ones I've had have been the the petier varieties. I, yeah. I, my understanding of space is a little bit subtler.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if this is like Johnny Walker barrels. Interesting.
0: All right. So that's the nose on that one. And shifting over to the ten to one. The, the, the I don't know if it's just because we were oh, you know sniffing yeah. the column still Cuban rum right before mm-hmm. but the Jamaican element of this like I, I don't want to say it punches you in the face but as much yeah. as a an 80 proof rum can punch you in the face that element yeah. of it really stands out when you transition over to this one
1: this one I get much more high ester pot still notes right yeah. So now I'm getting a little bit of the over-ripeness. Again, not punching you in the face. There's mm. plenty of rums that we talk about that are going to do that way more than this. But for this particular rum, and so far from what we've smelled and tasted, yeah, it's it's very present. Yeah, I get a little bit of that, like, grape soda vibe that I get from Estuary
0: mm. Jamaican rums. Yeah, yeah I, I feel you. Um, but I also I feel the Barbados component in here as well. And probably I'm picking up on the Dominican component as well. Just, you know, this more straightforward, aged, cask-driven notes to it.
1: I also, I I know it sounds silly to say we're getting all of these, but I also get the Trinidad. Mm. In fact, I get the Trinidad more than the Barbados. Interesting. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, I'm going to go back to the Havana Club and sip that first, as I think it's likely the subtler of the two. You know, this actually has more depth on the palette than I was expecting. Yeah, it has some nice, what I like to call bottom end notes, and I kind of think about that like how I think about bottom end in music. You know, the the bass that kind of anchors it a little bit. Yeah, whatever. The, You're all about that bass. Okay. I am. Yeah, as a former bassist, um, <laughs> whatever taste version of that it is, there's just kind of like deeper, darker oak notes. That kind of have that uh, just bottom end. I don't know how else to describe it. I get more of that than I was expecting to get in this rum.
1: More bottom end than even maybe the Brugal.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think so,
1: yeah. But at the same time, I'm going to tell you that there's something that bothers me. It's just on the edge of getting to be too sweet. Mm. It's not, but it is right... It's 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 got its little fingertips hitting the edge of what would I would consider too sweet for my palate, <laughs> just grasping at it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I I don't necessarily get it's not on the edge for me. It is a little bit sweet, but I I would say it compares favorably to me to the Brugal eighteen eighty eight in terms of added sweetness. There is there's like a a kind of varnishy mm-hmm. quality to it, but there's also so I get this note that's a little bit like cleaning product it's it's not like ethanol it's just (laughs) i don't want to say synthetic because that's too strong but there's just something in that vein Hmm. that um like windex type of thing fabuloso (laughs) (laughs) or like maybe chlorine or something like that Mm. it's just again it's not dominating the palate but it's just a quality that is there that my brain is noting Mm. pool water chlorine pool water you know, it's interesting because I wouldn't say pool water. Pool water is actually a note that I get in a lot of – not a lot of rums. But in I some rums that I, I really enjoy it, yeah. have a pool water note, like the Homes Key Fiji
1: rum that we that we did with Eric. That one has a pool yep. water note to it that I really yeah. enjoy. This isn't a pool water note. All right. Mo- I'm going to move on to the 10 to 1 dark mm-hmm. here and start sipping this one. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's nice, actually. And something I think we
0: talked about with Mark when he was on the show, which was – forever ago i think he was maybe like our 15th guest or something like that wow Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i remember having the word dark in the name 10 to 1 dark rum we asked him about that
1: because
0: i think we both felt like it was being positioned as kind of a mid-market sip first mix second kind of rum and you know probably just mix in like a spirit forward type cocktail but when you see Dark rum on there. Immediately, my brain goes to mixer. Right? It's kind of like how I was talking about with the Monty Musk classic gold. Yeah. When you see that gold descriptor, it just screams mixing rum to me. But yeah. and I won't rehash the whole conversation we had with Mark. But he was very aware with that. I think. I think it was an attempt to kind of meet people where they are because I think he really wants to attract new people to the category with this with this brand. All that said, the reason I bring it up is because to me, the way it drinks matches my perception of it before factoring in the dark label it doesn't drink to me like this is primarily a mixing rum kind of like how the monty musk classic ended up drinking to me
1: so what what are your first thoughts this one's not a contest for me <laughs> just uh, coming right out with it I, yeah i mean I, I, honestly i thought it would be much closer if not even you know the other way around but frankly the the 10 to 1 dark is really bringing it at a 40% ABV. I taste in there all of I I think I now get the Barbados on the palate. I get some of the Dominican Republic. I get for sure some of the Jamaica and I get the Trinidad. And and that's a that's a trick to pull yeah. off in a 40% rum to have all of those blends show up. Sorry, all of those sources show up in the blend. That's that's something really nice. It's it drinks fantastic. I would be very happy with this. Whereas the Havana Club doesn't quite get there for me in the drinking experience. I'm sure this would be great in a Cuba Libre, right? And and Rum and Coke. And I'm sure in mixing, I would have no problem with it. As a sipping rum, it's falling short. Uh, My assessment is very
0: similar to yours. I'm sure we'll run into disagreements eventually. (laughs) But so far, we're in lockstep. And honestly the first thought I was having was we may have fucked up the seeding with 10 to 1. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. Is, this is, this is not, you know how every year in like the March madness tournament, <laughs> one of like the common tropes is like, this is not your typical 10 seed, you know, no. <laughs> like <laughs> they came on late in the year. They right. got it together. They were injured early on. This is not a normal 10 seed. Um, <laughs> that's how I feel about this rum. It's really punching above its seeding in the bracket. And, you took the words out of my mouth in that I taste all the origins in this blend, which yeah. bringing in four different origins, especially, I think, like the Jamaica, obviously, you know, that's easy to get people to taste that in the blend. Sure. I right. think the trick is getting people to be able to pick out those subtler rum traditions in there, the Trinidad, the Dominican Republic, the Barbados to a degree. But they all show up. It works really well. Do I wish it were higher proof? Yes, I'm violating my own rule here. But, <laughs> I, and I do believe they released a 86 proof edition of this one as well. Oh, um, but this, realize, is still, yeah. this is still the standard flagship mm. that I think is widely available. And it is, you know, it's on the higher end of a price point of what I would typically want to pay for an 80 proof from. Right. But I will say I would not be mad at all about sipping this. I think it's a really well executed blend. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it pleasantly surprised me. I actually hadn't had this. I'd only had the ten to one white, oh. which I also think is a really nice, a really nice, really good. A, a mm-hmm. really nice blended mm-hmm. white rum too. Mm-hmm. Great for you know cocktails, daiquiris. The Jamaican component really comes through on that one. The Jamaican component—it's not the star of the show here. It's—I re- don't know that any of the rums are the star of the show. They just all kind of come together, and it's just I agree. Uh, it's yeah, they're well all working together. Blend.
1: Yeah. yeah, this is a, a a boy band of rums that they're all taking their turns singing verses and comes together and uh, it's a yeah, perfect it's acapella group, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm 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 excited for it. I honestly didn't think I, I, I would like it as much as I did. And Same. like you said, it's it's a strong ten seat here. So wow, I'm excited to see what happens with that the rest of the way. Yeah, I'm just gonna plug this into our sheet. These these first two that we did the way the bracket is set
0: up when you have ten different rums essentially the top two seeds will get what's called a first round buy so mm-hmm. they won't have to go against anyone in the first round these first two that we did were essentially play ends so the winner of the first matchup Rugal 1888 is going to go against the one seed in the next round el dorado 15 and the winner of that one 10 to 1 dark is now going to go against the two seed admiral rodney hms royal oak which i'm eager to see how that goes. That's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's going to be fun. Yeah. Okay. But we'll, we'll get to those in a couple of rounds. So we're going we're gonna to squeeze in the other matchups we have in between that, which is our next one is going to be Eldorado 12 as the four seed versus Santa Teresa 1796 as the five seed. And then we're going to do Don Q, Gran Reserva, the three seed versus Ron Abuelo, 15, Napoleon, the six seed. So I'm going to go ahead and... Place yeah. these rums back. Yeah, we should take a quick break, set these up, and I'm gonna take a cracker break. Cracker. Oh break? yeah, I should probably reload on my water too. We're coming back with uh, Santa Teresa 1796 and El Dorado 12. Let's talk about El Dorado 12 real quick because there's the whole new El Dorado, old El Dorado thing that came up, and uh, you just made a face. I'm not sure which rum you were nosing. I think I have a guess, but we'll we'll come back to okay. that. Okay. So, this is one of the new El Dorado bottles, and this, you know, could be a whole 30-minute aside, but basically, El Dorado's aged rums used to taste a lot sweeter, and now they taste a lot less sweet. Um, (laughs) El Dorado has said this is owed to their practice of aging with their house-made caramel in the barrel um, this is something they say they used to do. They have since phased it out, which that's what they say is responsible for the decline in obfuscation coming up in hydrometer readings. All I can tell you I don't, you know, know the full story. You can listen to our interview with Sean no Caleb one to knows. get to, yeah, no one to knows get
1: the full story, Will. <laughs> you can listen
0: to our interview with Sean Caleb to get DDL's perspective on that. But I will say, if you taste the new El Dorado versus the old El Dorado bottles, particularly the 12 and the 5, 15, or the two I've done it with, the new ones taste exceptionally drier and mm. less sweet. So this is the new El Dorado 12. Uh, this is a rum from Guyana, Demerara Distillers Limited. It's a blend of rums from the EHP Wooden Coffee Column and the Metal Coffee Column Stills. It's aged 12 years, next whiskey barrels. And... One of the one of the like alcohol boards or whatever you want to call it in one of the European countries, I believe this is Sweden, called uh, system Systembolaget. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. Anyway, they measure all the alcohol coming into the country. They measure the new El Dorado 12. I believe is having no added sugar, according to Rum Revelations. And the average price is somewhere in the neighborhood of $36.99, maybe up to $40 in some places. So that's the, the general ballpark. On the other, in the other corner, as John said, we have Santa Teresa 1796. This is a rum from Venezuela, it's a blend of heavy and light column still rum and pot still rum, which some people Forget about with this mm-hmm. particular distillery, they use Solera aging. A hundred. This is kind of a true Solera setup. hundred percent of the rum goes through the Solera system. They say it's the rums that go into can be anywhere from four to thirty-five years old in their Solera at any given time. There is some added. This is another one of those rums with a touch of added sugar, and they actually mentioned this in a few places on their website. Um, it, it says. There's a quote on there that says, When you start with the best ingredients and you employ the highest caliber of craftsmanship, you don't need to mask the flavors with a load of sugar. That's why a bottle of Santa Teresa 1796 contains less than half a teaspoon of sugar, guaranteeing an unexpectedly dry finish. The FAQ of the website also has a question, does Santa Teresa 1796 have added sugar? The response kind of cracked me up a little bit because it was a very politician-like response. It says, Santa Teresa 1796 is a rich and refined rum with a dry finish. Independent measurements made with hydrometers have determined that Santa Teresa 1796 contains maximum four grams of sugar per liter versus other super premium brands containing up to 20 grams of sugar. So Mm. it doesn't say yes or no, and it acknowledges the independent hydrometer tests and then just kind of compares it saying basically like, well, it doesn't have a ton in there, basically, which, you know, to their credit is something you and I have said, if there's going to be some in there, at least let it be a small amount. And right. so I think that's what this is, about four grams per liter, according to hydrometer readings. Average
1: price somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 45- 99 to 50, somewhere in that ballpark. This one, like the others, is two different traditions, right? Now you have Guyana, which is a different tradition, uh, all yeah. on its own, kind of. And Santa Teresa, which is more akin to the, the Spanish heritage style rums the of the Brugal that we tried from Dominican Republic, and Havana Club from Cuba. Yeah, But having said that, it is a little bit of its own thing, because it
0: has the pot still That's component true. in it. That's true. Which I don't believe El Dorado 12 has any of their pot still distillate in it. So... Okay, I gotta ask you to go first, because you're just, like,
1: I, I viscerally
0: can't. reacting to the I, nose of what I'm thinking is the Santa Teresa, Santa Teresa 1796.
1: So, oh, tell the uh, people what you're
0: going uh, through right now.
1: Santa Teresa deserves better. The actual St. Teresa. Because, um, <laughs> my goodness, I'm really struggling with this nose. I, it, I do not like anything at all about this. It is off-putting. In what um,
0: way? Like, what what are
1: you getting, if you had to describe I'm, it, that is off-putting? Chemicals. Yeah. I'm getting chemicals, like synthetic, a- and concrete, but in a bad way. <laughs> I like you imply that
0: normally concrete is, like, a really good thing. Um,
1: I've, I've had some, like, a, yeah. you know, wet asphalt type of notes before in a and others that can be desirable, but I don't personally like those, as you know. Yeah. But it's better than this this is
0: not good. I have kind of a checkered history with this rum. I think we did an episode super early on where I was saying like this I just I was talking about I just did not click with this rum. I didn't get the yeah. appeal at all. and then I came back to it a few times and I was like, okay, I can kind of see why this is a little bit enjoyable. I warmed up to it again. I feel like I'm boomeranging back to my original stamp stance. It just going off the nose though so I'm gonna keep an open mind before I sip it, but there is yeah. just some like it's like uh it's it's like if you combined something chemically with something very musty. Right. There is like an oaky mustiness, which right. I think I would typically think of as a prized note agree. to pick up on. Right. But, but this here, is not a
1: good musty. This is like something got left in the fridge too long. Yeah, there's almost like a almost like a wet wet dog, I wanna say wet a little dog? bit. Yeah, wet dog. Yeah. I get wet dog. You you nailed it, I think. All right. I'm I'm I'm, St- I'm not stop. a fan. Yeah, stop punishing yourself. <laughs> we can yeah. sniff. the Knows the El Dorado which, twelve. Now. But by the way, Will, I have to say the new Santa Teresa that just came out. Remember, I had talked yeah. about that one re- on a recent episode. I very much liked that. And that. And one, what what was memory, the difference with that one? It was a space side whiskey cast finish, if I remember right. correctly. And I think it was higher proof, wasn't it? Like ninety. And it was. Proof? It was higher proof. Yes. So I'm I'm not like you know trying to trash anything here. I'm just giving you my raw reactions. Okay. Well, the El
0: Dorado twelve. I don't want to go as strong as saying a breath of fresh air, but yeah. there's a lot yeah. of nice
1: things going on with, with there this. There really nose. is. It's a, a nice, complex nose. Fruitiness is coming out of bounds, yeah. but a different fruitiness than a Jamaican rum. Definitely. It's almost like almost grapefruity. It's similar to that grapefruit
0: note I get in some of the Mauritius rums from Gray's Distillery, but hmm. um and no, I get I, like
1: coconut sharpie. Yeah. But I'm closer to like a stone fruit, like a peach or okay. an apricot. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. I know. can see that.
0: Yeah, apricot's a good call. Mm-hmm. And there's just like a there's a, there's a nuttiness, like a roasted, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like those places you walk by in the mall that serve the roasted nuts and the like cones, yeah. you know, yeah. that yeah. kind of smell. It's your uh,
1: cone of nuts.
0: Yep. yep. Yeah, that smell. I mean, that smells so good. But it's that mingled with the, the fruit right. that we just talked like about.
1: A, like a caramel kind of thing. Yeah, there. there's a caramel yep.
0: thing. Almost like a like a toffee. Mm-hmm. Toffee is a good word. Toffee yep. popcorn. My wife works for a company that actually makes toffee popcorn. So, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Nashville uh, Toffee Company. Good. It's very good.
1: The free, ad- free advertisement
0: for Nashville nice. co- Toffee Company. They
1: ship. <laughs> go to the website, order it. Um, I'm less experienced with the Eldorado 12 than I am with the 15. Mm-hmm. I feel like I know the 15 well. Yeah. I didn't know the 12 as well. Just, I think the the buying habit was like, well, you if just I get, skipped and I, right past it, yeah, and, and this was very early on in yeah. my rum experience where I was like, well, I can either buy the twelve or the fifteen. The fifteen's only a few bucks more. Fuck it, I'll yeah. go with that. Yeah, and never went back to the twelve to even you know consider it. And now I'm sad and mad that I didn't because <laughs> I'm I'm really enjoying this as a it's note. a delightful it's nose. great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do yeah. we? What do we want to try first? I mean, let's get the. don't don't say you gotta go with an open mind man don't say you gotta get it over with i mean that nose is hard to overcome yeah but let's start with the santa teresa and i'm gonna do my best here and try to give it a fair shake (laughs) very convincing it's it's just awful even going into i'm sorry will i'm so sorry you're normally not this critical about stuff i I feel
0: like this is just really not agreeing with you whatsoever
1: no i i wasn't able to even get to the palate there because i smelled it on the way in all right i'm going back in i'm gonna try no, it's way, way, way over oaked, over tannined. Really? I think is what that is. Really? I think that's over tannin. Wow. Like I feel like, like I'm having a completely different experience right really. now. Really? No. Nasty barrel. Like not good, like charcoaly, nasty. Like I've used this barrel ten times now. This is the eleventh time. And there's you know, it's crumbling and it's gross. Wow. <laughs> Man. Um
0: yeah, I don't get those off-putting barrel characteristics that you're describing. What I what I do get is it's quite more one-dimensional than I remember it being. But I just get like a very and when I say a sweetness, I actually again, if I were blindfolded, I might not have guessed that this had any sugar added to it. It doesn't drink as an overly sweet rum. It it, does, it is a really fairly dry rum, actually, as the marketing copy it is. states. But it's a, it's just a very just kind of generic sweetness profile that I get. Almost a honeyish, a little bit. You get some of the oak, some of the barrel, barrel characteristics, a little graham cracker maybe.
1: But it's just... Oh, you're being too kind. No, uh, I'm, I'm being honest. So here, I think I've nailed it. Do you know when you have a campfire and the wood has been burning for so long that it turns white? Like it, it like literally just becomes kind of like ash... Yeah. This is that flavor to me. This is like they took a barrel, charred the crap out of it to the point where it was ash and then poured this rum through that. And then filtered it because, you know, they want to get it all that stuff out. That's what this tastes like to me. When you say ashy, I do get a quality that I
0: could see describing as ashy. But it's not like an overly burned, charred kind of ashy. It's more going back to that musty sort of note. That yeah. I got on the nose. But I actually, the, the the chemical quality we were talking about, I don't get that as much at all on the palate. So uh, to, to me, once I get past the nose, I kind of see the appeal to this in a very approachable sweet mm-hmm. profile, but not not sweetness in like a sugary syrupy sweetness. It just has kind of like sweet barrel vanilla kind of notes to it that I think are accessible is what I would say, the palette of this rum. To me, that's what I'm getting, which I know your experience sounds completely different, and sometimes that happens, you know?
1: Uh, yeah, and I mean, sometimes you try things on different days and different nights, and you get different reactions to it. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, tonight, it's not happening for me. I have tried this rum before. I remember the first time I encountered it at a rum festival. I did not like it. I do remember that. Similar to your experience, I remember trying it another time and being okay with it, kind of like, ah, Okay. And yeah. then tonight, it's just not it, nothing about this is agreeing with me. I you would don't say, say. <laughs> yeah, I would say that maybe there's something on the 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 late mid palate and finish that is it's getting better. So there there's something redeeming in it. Uh, you know, it's not garbage, but the the initial it, it can't overcome that initial bad nosing and initial palate flavor. It's just it's way too much. Yeah. All right.
0: Well, let's move on to the Eldorado Twelve. Cherry cough syrup.
1: That's a. I just want to remember that note. I got like yeah. a big hit of that on the palate. This is another one where I get weeded bourbon notes also. So like Maker's Mark. But it's very good. I, I, I'm enjoying it. It is, yeah.
0: And it does, in my memory, drink drier than these Eldorados did in the past. I don't have the old Eldorado 12 to compare it to at one-to-one. Although the Eldorado 15 that we're going to be doing is actually the old Eldorado 15, so that should be an interesting comparison. Yeah. yeah, I, I mean, the the one hydrometer, or I don't think even think it was a hydrometer reading. I think it was a step beyond that because it was like a Swedish government, I think, doing it that picked up little to no additives. Uh, honestly, like you know,
1: I think I buy it. I, I do too. I'm I'm not detecting anything. Of course, putting it up against a rum that probably does have even a tiny bit of sugar mm. is almost unfair because you're you're I think your brain can't help but do that comparison quickly. But that said, it really does drink like a solid dry rum and I wouldn't have thought twice.
0: And I mean, you if if you are into aged rums, you get the depth from the casks, the 12 years of aging, but yep. if you don't like rums that are overly woody, I do think there's the fruity characteristics that we mentioned on the nose to me come through on the palate. Like I was saying, I got that kind of cherry cough syrup thing on the palate. It's a, yeah, it's a treat. It's it's a really, and I think for the, the price, it's definitely a rum I would recommend to people who are, especially people newer to the category who are wanting to get their feet wet without spending a bunch of money, but also get something that's quality. Maybe people who, who aren't, aren't into cast strength stuff.
1: Yeah. And, this would be an and, easy recommend. Right. And this is going for memory, but it's very different enough from Eldorado 15, right? So I know we're going to, you know, do the 15 soon so we can kind of revisit, but in my memory at least, you shouldn't look at these two and say, "Well, that's just a rum that's 3 years older and it's going to be similar but more, you know, aged." It's it's quite different. Well, and the 15 has,
0: you know, Port Mourant and Versailles yeah. still in it. So that's yeah. that's a different component I, although I do think it has some of the EHP and maybe some of the metal coffee still components as well mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah I, I do in my memory 15 has some different dimensions but yeah it'll be interesting to compare the old 15 to the new 12 at some point we'll we'll come back and you know I've had the new 15 but yeah comparing those would be fun as well all right yeah. so I, I don't think we need a super long discussion the Eldorado 12 yep. seems like the clear advancer here unless you've had a change of heart.
1: No question. (laughs) Okay. El Dorado moves forward. (laughs) Okay, so that moves forward. So I'm going to get my next ones out. I'll go over the the next bracket here. So this is going to be the Don Q. Gran Reserva. Which used to be called Gran Añejo, Ane- I believe, and now it's Gran Reserva. So you yeah, might I see think the, some of those old bottles. I think yeah. the the Gran Reserva bottle still also says, like, Añejo XO on it, mm-hmm, maybe.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Añejo is still on there, but I think it leads with Gran Reserva now.
1: Yeah, and that's the uh, the three seed versus the Ron Abuelo 15. This is the Napoleon casks. There's, if you know the Ron Abuelo line, there's the 15 has three different finishes. There's the Napoleon, the Tawny Port cask, and the Sherry cask. I can't remember what the other names are, but uh, essentially the Napoleon's the cognac version. So uh, this is the number six seed. So I'll go through these real quick as you're setting up. For the Don Q, uh, in this corner, it's a Puerto Rican rum from Distilleria Serraez. So we're pretty familiar with that. And people who listen to the podcast know uh, a lot of Don Q. Um, It's a blend of heavy and light column still rums. So that's an interesting note there that this isn't all light column. We've talked about how Don Q makes different marks and there's a blend of that heavy rum in there. There's a blend of of it aged 9 to 12 years in ex-whiskey and Solera rums aged up to 50 years in sherry casks. That's a that's a pretty big claim. Up to fifty years in sherry casks. Um, yeah, I believe um, I believe they they set up their sherry solera in nineteen
0: fifty four, sometime around there. Yeah, and have just been topping it up ever since. So, right. you know, I think yeah, there's some rum in there that could be decades and decades and decades old.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know that I buy that. But that's a that's a separate <laughs> podcast topic not not from Don Q. I'm just saying the Solera method altogether, oh um, so okay. Yeah, I, I mean, we can talk more about that at another time. But uh, no sugar added to this product. So Don Q, famous for no sugar added to their rums. And the average price on this one's it's a bit expensive. This one is over $50 pretty much everywhere. Fifty four ninety nine, the rough average price, does come in a very beautiful bottle, I have to say. I'm a fan of the bottling, both the old and the new. Uh, so uh, really, really nice. To my knowledge, Will, and maybe just to verify with you, the old and the new are the same liquid. It's just a that, different That's vom. my understanding. I haven't
0: yeah. heard anything different, but
1: yeah. Okay. So, uh, and then in the other corner here, we have Ranabella 15 Napoleon, which is a Panamanian rum. This is a column still product. The label on it says it's aged a full 15 years, but we know they also use a combination of Solera aging, so... Uh, you know, a little fudging there. We're not really sure. They use the Roman numerals, by the way. Fifteen makes it feel more official, maybe. Yeah. Um, although, if you look in like the bottom right corner of the front label, it also
0: says aged fifteen years using standard numerals. So, okay, okay. Yeah, I I, I read some stuff online that Obelos oh age statements are actually average age, sta- age statements as opposed mm. to minimum. I think there's a Master of Malt article that says Obelos oh, age statements are averages, not minimum. So, for example. The XV contains rums between eight and forty-three years old. It's aged for an average of fourteen years and then finished for a further year. So, I think it's saying the finish, which this one is in cognac casks, is around a year, and supposedly the average of the Solera product is fourteen years. Yeah, but again, I I don't like if you go by the label. That's not what the label is saying. The label is straight up saying it's fifteen years. So, who who is to say?
1: Yeah. Well, I think we'll say after we taste it. Um, It's, as we mentioned, finished in cognac casks, So it has that influence, as you mentioned, for roughly a year. And then we we do want to mention Rum Revelations. The site measured this one at 16 grams per liter of added sugar. So I believe, is this the highest amount of added sugar we've had so far? The highest
0: highest by far. I think all the ones we've done so far have been around four grams per liter. So this is like four times that, essentially. So this is the first one that to me is, is veering just looking at the number that's veering mm-hmm. in a territory where I I'm my brain is already telling me that's probably gonna be too sweet. I'm trying yeah. to ignore that and just approach it, but yeah, just being
1: being honest. Yeah. And, and then interestingly it's also the priciest so far. Yes. The average price of this one's about seventy five dollars in most places, which I've seen, you know, that that's about right, seventy to seventy five dollars uh for any one of the three of these pretty much. So all right, so so getting that out of the way now, let's go ahead and nose these and uh, see what we think. Yeah, I've can already. i been nosing these while, while you've been kind of introducing mm-hmm. them. And the Don Q
0: nose is kind of, it's like what I was hoping for from the other column still rums, like the Havana Club 7 really? and the Santa Teresa was the other yeah. one, even though that one does yeah. have the pot still component. But it's just, it's very light, cask driven, like we were saying. And I get a little bit, not as much. Interestingly, in the Brugal, the Brugal eighteen eighty eight, I got more of the sherry than I yeah. get from this one. I don't know I if that's what what you're experiencing
1: as well. Yep. No, I think you're right there. The but that thing nuttiness is, this, is there. It is. For it's me. just far lighter. It's it's. I would it's straight up say this is it's fine it doesn't bother me in terms of nose. Like there's nothing bad about it. Yeah. It's just I have to kind of go hunting for it. Yeah. And it's not something that's, you know, reaching out to meet me uh, at all. It's just kind of, okay. Now, the Abuelo,
0: very different experience on the nose. This is not one where you have to kind of hunt for things. Yeah. And like I said, I have a, a checkered history with... Santa Teresa 1796 on this podcast. I also have Mm -hmm. a checkered history with cask finishes on this podcast. And this just going off the nose is what I typically do not like in cask finishes where I feel like I'm getting a lot of notes that are less
1: about rum and more about the cask finish itself. I got to agree with you here. And and I'm more kind to cask finishes than you are yeah, generally. But it's and very heavy, right? It's heavy. Yeah, very heavy on the cognac cask finish there. Well, we've talked about this before, about if you're going to do a finish, like you have this choice to make of like, are you going to hit people with it so that they know it's there and you don't yeah. have, there's no mistaking it versus like it's so light that whether or not people actually appreciate it or not uh, is a question. Yeah. And striking that right balance for people is tough.
0: Well, and I was, I, you know, preferences vary. I was just talking to a liquor store owner the other day who I think has a really good palate and whose opinion I respect a lot. And he was mm-hmm. like, you know, when I get a cask finish product, I, I want the cask finish to hit me right. in the face. I want it to taste different. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't want it to be subtle, basically. And my opinion is basically the opposite of that. So, you know, yeah, no approach is right necessarily, no approach is wrong, but I... Right. Yeah, like I, I want to be able to detect it, but I don't want it to be I want it way. to I want it to elevate the rum, not just be like, oh there's cognac or oh there's sherry, you know? Yeah and on the nose of this, that's what I'm getting. It's just kinda like dominating. So I'm gonna I'm gonna taste the Don Q first. Yeah, I'm gonna taste both of these. Actually going back to the nose on the Don Q is like It's like putting on a very comfy, familiar jacket, sort of. You know, it's like,
1: oh, yeah, okay. I know this guy. Agreed. I just wonder if he's too boring to have conversation with. Wow. The palette for me on this one reveals a lot
0: that the nose did not. Yeah. I didn't mean to rhyme there. (laughs) (laughs) But the, the sherry comes through a lot more
1: but in a way that I really enjoy. It's actually quite good. Yeah. There's no mistaking when you get a palette that is a quality-made product. It kind of hits you, you kind of know, and that's what I'm getting from this. It's like it concentrates on the palette. It's like everything just comes together.
0: And honestly, like, I didn't expect to say this, but there's an intensity of flavor with this. Not intense, like, Obviously, if you compare this to rum fire or something, I'm not talking about that intensity, but I'm talking about there's for an 80 proof rum, there's a concentration of flavor on the palate that hits you right away and lasts that I really enjoy. It's a really, I would call this an elegant rum, John.
1: I really wish I could disagree with you, but I think I I don't find it quite as complicated or complex as I would like a, a rum to be of this sure, I, price and, and point. I,
0: I would yeah. agree it's not overly, it, it, it's not the most complex rum I've right. ever had. It's straightforward.
1: Yeah, elegant is the right word. So, and, and I'm going to pull in my board game hobby here real quick to just say that even in board games, you have really complicated games that we call crunchy. You can really stick your teeth into them and get through it, and they take three and a half hours to play or more, and those are great experiences that you cherish. On the other hand, there's an elegant type of game that doesn't have a whole lot of rules to it, but somehow the experience is more than the, the set of rules is. Right, yeah. and that's what's happening here. I think to your point about it being elegant, it's it's got more than the sum of its parts. When you just, it, it's fine on the nose. I like I said, I'm I'm not over the moon with it. It's it's great. It's good. You know, not great. It's good. But yeah, when you sip it, you're just you're just appreciating it.
0: Yeah, the palate. The, I, I would agree. the The nose is fine. The palate mm-hmm. is great. I would say for for yeah. what this rum is trying to deliver, and you know find me it's whatever. Yes, I would yeah. like to experience this at a higher ABV. Yep. But for an 80 proof rum, this is really delivering quality. And yep. so just going back to the original question, if you're looking for 80 proof rums that deliver,
1: I this for me is firmly in that category. Interestingly, and we don't have any of the other Don Q products in this bracket, I would love to do more with just the Don Q lineup mm. because in the past I've found that this one is diminished slightly in comparison to others that they offer.
0: I wouldn't expect um, this to be in any, like, to in my memory, this completely blows the 7 out of the water in terms of what it's delivering. If I were comparing it to some, like, the single barrel right. releases, that's where right. I think it might get some competition.
1: Yeah. So at some point, we'll have to, you know, put that put a pin in that one and we'll come back yeah. to it. All right, moving on to the Ron Abuelo 15, the Napoleon, which, by the way, apropos for the moment, because the new movie, Napoleon, just coming out, Ridley Scott. Yeah. yeah are you going to see that? Joaquin Phoenix? Um, Probably not, to be honest. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just...
0: uh, like, I'm basing this on, like, you know, seeing 10-second clips of the trailer right. here and there not really paying attention. But I don't know. I just see Joaquin Phoenix in the hat, and it just, like... Something about it feels like an SNL skit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I just like can't take it that seriously. So, and I've heard about you know, I like historians are very you know, oh, there's a bunch of stuff that didn't really happen. He's like firing cannons at the pyramids right, and stuff right. like that. So right. I don't know. You know, for
1: me, it's 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 going to be a pass. It, I'm going to see it. It's the it's yeah, definitely the Cliff Note version of Napoleon, sure. right? And there's some things there that, yeah, just like just kind of like an added sugar rum where it's kind of like, okay, you put that shot in there of them firing at the pyramids as an added sugar into that. But like, oh, oh, I'm seeing a reaction as you tried this one. That's going to be fun to talk about in a second. But I'm still going to see it because I think Ridley Scott brings visual quality to the medium that you don't get from many directors now. And it's it's a it's a tentpole film that we don't get very often. So I'm hoping it is better than its trailer. I'm hoping that it it puts together a nice story. So all right, let's let's move on from talking about. One of my, one of my your... all-time favorites, by the way, Alien. Alien is great. Yeah. That's Ridley Scott, yeah. right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I, now I hope I'm getting it right. I'm pretty sure it was I'm Ridley Scott. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. yeah.
0: One of my favorite movies. Okay. Oh, yeah. I had a this is the first rum I've had a visceral reaction to. <laughs> yes, and I think do. it's a couple of factors. The first thing that hit me was the cask finish which just like the nose to me on the palate is very heavy handed and then what hit me after that was just a wave of syrupy sweetness that's just too much for me like I could have a couple of sips of this but beyond that it's just I almost get like a cola kind of finish on it you know there is a cola finish on this yeah it's just too much for me
1: so I'm gonna be kinder to it than you are it is too sweet (laughs) It's it's funny seeing you scrunch your face up as you taste that. It it's undoubtedly too sweet for us, I think. So I'm not even arguing that. But there's still something about it that you know, I I, I don't I don't hate it. Like I hated the Santa Teresa. Yeah,
0: I feel like our reactions are perfectly yeah. inversed on this rum versus the Santa mm-hmm. Teresa. Or this one for me, I just, I stomached a second sip. I really don't want to go back for a third sip, so I think I'm going to pass on that. It's just the heavy, heavy hit-you-over-the-head-with-the-hammer cognac finish at the beginning. And like I said, after that, it's just sweet, 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 sweet. So See,
1: I'm I'm getting lingering tastes of tobacco in the back and maybe a little bit of oak or, or some character in there as well. Totally agree. Not only do you get sweet, but you get cognac, right? So it's like... Where's the rum a little bit? Yeah. And you know I, what I get I'm a little on the there. finish
0: is sweet tea, actually. And I'm talking about like, you know, going to a barbecue place in Backwoods, Linton. Alabama and getting a glass of sweet tea that tastes like it has like the whole bag of sugar poured into it. Um, yeah. That's what I get, which is a very comforting flavor from my childhood.
1: But yeah, yeah not, see it. not what I'm looking for in a rum, unfortunately. Look, I can, I can see why people like this. I can see why after years and years it's still being put out on the market yeah. at seventy five dollars, which is a lot of money for for this. So, see, from that see I can't see. I, I understand
0: if if people have a sweet tooth, if they really don't like any kind of burn or anything from alcohol, I could understand the appeal. I yeah. don't understand seventy five dollars. I mean, I understand why they're doing it. I don't understand paying that much for it because to me it tastes like a cheapened watered down product Mm -hmm. but that's just me so not knocking it if it's what you like i'm just saying for me i would never buy a bottle of that
1: it comes in a box though will
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know how much i love boxes um
1: sorry i had to go back to the don q just to cleanse myself um well, I think we've got a winner in this one, too, am I? Oh, yeah. Uh, Sorry. I forgot we were supposed yeah. to do it. Like, yeah, it seemed pretty <laughs> obvious. Yeah. You, go. you know, the real fights,
0: I think, are going to come on the next round where the winners oh, yeah. go head to head. So, yes. Okay.
1: Don Q wins that round. We have two left here. Well, yeah, the two number one seats
0: against oh, the winners. Are we already on to that? Yeah. Wow. Okay. We're right? just moving. Yeah. No, you're You're correct. We're going to go to the... We're. On to retasting a few rums we've already done. Yeah. So we're going to do Admiral Rodney HMS Royal Oak versus 10 to 1 Dark, which advanced from the first round. So this will be a 2 seed versus a 10 seed. So I'm going to pull let's, these rums over to me.
1: I was going to say, let's take a quick break, a cracker break, and a pour break. Right.
0: Okay. So we're doing Admiral Rodney HMS Royal Oak versus 10 to 1 Dark. And just to give an update on the bracket, the winner of this one will go on to face Don Q Gran which just beat Ronabuelo XV Napoleon. And then we're going to do El Dorado 15 versus Rugal 1888. The winner of that will go on to face El Dorado 12, which just bested Santa Teresa 1796. So, John, I know you are a very big Admiral Rodney guy, from the bottle wow. to the rum itself. We just had a disagreement over which bottle is better between Admiral Rodney and the El Dorado twelve and fifteen bottles. So we won't we won't rehash that. It's just safe to say that we disagree. But let's let's nose these up. I'm gonna go after the Admiral Rodney, since that one is less familiar to me, since we just already tried the 10 to 1 Dark. While we're doing this, I should note Admiral Rodney is a brand from our friends at St. Lucia Distillers. Also the Chairman's Reserve brand comes from them, Bounty Rums. Admiral Rodney is sort of their I hate to use the marketing terms, but kind of like a more premium brand from them, I would say. Yeah. Um, a little bit higher price than the Chairman's line with the exception of like the 1901, 1931.
1: 1931.
0: Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I'm trying to remember all these numbers in my head. With the exception of some of the Chairman's releases, the Admiral Rodney releases tend to be a, a bit more higher priced. Unlike the Chairman's releases, many of which feature some of the distillery's various pot stills, the Admiral Rodney line is all from the twin coffee column still at St. Lucia Distillers. And this particular release, the HMS Royal Oak, is a blend of rums aged seven to 12 years in ex bourbon casks. There is no sugar added. Average price somewhere in the neighborhood of around seventy-seven ninety-nine. I think generally in that like seventy-five to eighty range is where you'll typically find this rum. So, like we were saying, probably up there with the Abuelo in terms of right. the priciest that we've done so far.
1: Yeah, and, and they're clearly marketing this as like ultra mega super premium, right? I don't know that you know how to better say that, but we we say a lot of like premium and super premium rums are an actual category for like sales. But this is clearly on the top end with regards to just how they present it, the the box and the bottle. And it's interesting to note, I think you mentioned this is all the coffee column still. And they've said in other times that I've heard them talk about it's from the certain plates within the coffee still that make it slightly different than the other rums that they produce. And that gives it more characteristics for what right, it is. they can pull they can pull the rum from different plates
0: and mm-hmm. create distinctive distillates all from the same still by doing that. So, you know, this has Royal Oak in the name, John, and mm-hmm. Royal Oak is how I would describe the nose on this. It's an yep. oak forward, super oak forward. nose. Yep, I don't mean to say that it's over oaked, but you know, it's almost reminiscent of some foursquare rums to me, and yep. their their oakiness.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's. Got a clear direction, and that is, as you mentioned, it's kind of in the name. And this was, it's interesting to say that this is one of three that they have in terms of aged blends, Yeah, the Admiral Rodney line. We There's also the, the Princesa, Princesa and the Formidable. For, formidable. Right. Formidable. Right. Is it Formidable? I don't know. <laughs> um, but this is the middle one, and importantly, this was the first one, right? So this was the first Admiral Rodney release, and I think what they were going for was that kind of oak-forward very I don't know typically is the wrong word but aged rum yeah when you think of an aged rum yeah
0: yeah I get uh, I'm getting like pencil shavings yes uh I'm getting a little bit of coconut character to it or sure. as some like Maybe to say coconut? um okanut <laughs> yeah yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah it's a really pleasant nose uh, especially if you're into oak forward aged rums it's right. one that I think will really agree with you and really for an 80 proof rum I do think that it it Packs a, a nose diverse. on it. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, if I were doing this blind, I probably would have thought that this were, you know, more like ninety proof. I would say, interesting. Just um, judging on the the intensity of flavor on the, right. the nose there.
1: Yeah, it's it's bringing it, like you said. Um, right, I just, do, I still, I don't feel like there's a whole lot there other than the oak, though. So it's, I do it's get not that little bit of coconut
0: in there, but yeah, it's it's very. It's it's mostly oak and like oak associated characteristics like vanilla right. things like right. that. So
1: it's very very prototypical quintessential aged rum oak flavor, but good. Yeah, when I go back to the ten to one, just the fruit jump, like leaps out at me. It so does. I think that's a good contrast. It, it is actually a really good contrast. I'm enjoying both of these right now. I'm mm-hmm. going back and forth. All right, I'm gonna dive into the Admiral Rodney.
0: I will say the initial sip. There was a wave of flavor that came at yeah. me. Yeah. After the initial hit on the palate, that I would say is atypical of 80 proof rums. The finish, a little bit more in line with a quality 80 proof rum. Like it's a good finish, but it's kind of like it's
1: an 80 proof finish, you know? Yeah. You know, when we had Maggie Campbell on, it reminded me that she. I can't remember when it was that we were talking to her, or or maybe it was even a Florida Rum Society event way back in the day. She mentioned if a rum makes you salivate, like your salivation glands are going, there's something good there. Mm. And like you gotta pay attention to that. And she was talking specifically now, I'm remembering, about selecting different barrels and like how you can kind of find some of the good stuff. And this is doing that for me. This one does make me salivate. Yeah. It's it's just great. I'm really enjoying the palette on it. I, it is what I remember it to be. Yes, I'm going to go to the, what we shouldn't say we were going to want to do. Yes, I want it to be higher strength. <laughs> but man, it's really, really good. It's got a great balance of flavor there. Balance. The flavor comes. Mm-hmm. The, yes, balance is exactly what I would use as the describe, the, to describe this. this is, uh, it is balanced in the force in all ways. Really just can't say anything bad about it. Yeah, you know what, I'll you, say you remember, one thing bad. Oh, what's that? 77 is kind of expensive.
0: <laughs> it is. Yeah, it, it is a bit pricey, which is my main criticism of the Admiral Rodney line. But having said that, this rum really isn't doing anything wrong flavor-wise. And you remember I was talking earlier about, I can't, maybe it was Savannah Club 7 that I brought up the mm-hmm. idea of bottom end. Mm-hmm. This one, this is like when you listen to a, a perfectly mixed album. And yeah. it's got it's got the highs, it's got the lows, it's got the yep. mids. Everything yep. is just you know the drums are over here doing their thing, the guitars over here, the like everything's got its own space. It just it all comes together. It's it's really it's a refined rum, I would say. Yeah, which which it, speaks to the the quality of blending they have
1: over there at Saint Lucia Distillers. It's a feat to get uh, as much out of a forty percent rum as they've gotten out of it. Alright, I'm jumping back into the 10-to-1 to to see how this compares. Yeah, I'm interested. Again, I think this is when the tougher decisions are going to
0: come into play. Because this is another one that really impressed us in the first round. Mm Mm-hmm. Boy, these are good. That's a good one. (laughs) Yeah. This is going to be... This is tougher sooner than I expected. Yeah. Even though I just said I expected it to get tough now, this is feeling really tough.
1: These are good. I'm going to go back and forth. Because the more. 10
0: to 1, what it does is it has some of it has some of those oak characteristics that it brings. But it also brings a degree of fruit that I don't get from Admiral Rodney. Not to say there's no fruit with the Admiral Rodney, but there isn't this type which the Jamaican rum is bringing to this blend.
1: Agreed. I think that speaks to the style of what's included in the mm-hmm. blend. But I, I get where you're going. I, I will say this. I'm going back and forth between the two of them, and what I'm finding is, I think the ten to one dark is slightly more muted for me, which is a characteristic I would associate with forty percent ROMs typically. I think Admiral Rodney,
0: when you, when you mention the word you just used for ten to one, what was that? Muted. Muted. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. say it's a little more subdued than mm-hmm. that, Admiral Rodney which is interesting because I think because it has a Jamaican rum component the first place your mind goes is oh it, you know it's a little bit more funky a little bit more out there and like it it does have that fruitiness that I was talking about but the finish on the Admiral Rodney I think is superior it is and what what it has packaged together does a little bit better job delivering that than the 10 to one does. But again, looking at the price points, yeah, 77 ish between 75, 80 AD for Admiral Rodney, HMS Royal Oak, the yeah. 10 to one hovering more around 45 bucks somewhere in that right. neighborhood. So very different price points, but I can see why relative to the market, Admiral Rodney is charging more. I still think it's a little bit too pricey, for Navy yeah. proof rum, yeah. But to me, I think I'm ready to say that it's there. There won't be another upset with ten to one.
1: I'm leaning right. more toward Admiral Rodney. I, I There's was, like a, a look of were, relief coming yeah. across your face. To me, it wasn't really a contest. I think ten to one did come in with a. It, it is good. You know that they were going to put up a fight. You know, uh, using this terminology of if we we're, were like a sport, um, they they didn't just lay down, mm-hmm. um, but uh in the end, I think the the, the Admiral Rodney is just too strong. Uh 10 to 1 played its it. heart out. It left it all on the field. Exactly. Yeah. Every sports but, cliche um, you can think of. I just there's I love this rum. I love Admiral Rodney's rum. It does give you the St. Lucia, right? You you get an immediate sense of St. Lucia. I tell people all the time if you're gonna jump into St. Lucia, this is the one you start with even though it's pricier, where you and I differ. You talk about the legacy with the chairmans. Yeah. And I, I, don't get me wrong. I think that one's great, and I get that you're going to spend half as much on it. But when you're looking for what you feel like is a super premium experience, there's just something that this Admiral Rodney is doing that I can't get from anywhere else, and I just love it for that. See, to me, the essence of St. Lucia Distillers it's those
0: pot stills, yeah. And so I want I get a that. product that that has a little bit of that in it. It's fair That's to fair. me. What they can do with the column stills is awesome, and I, I really like like. There's a master selection release that Florida Rum Society did a few years ago that was all column mm-hmm. still. Love that release. It's really good, and so I think what they can do with the column still is really cool. To me, it's a little bit it's funny because unique is supposed to be one of those words where like something can't be less unique or more unique. It's just unique right. just means one right. of one. Right. But to me, um, the column is a little bit less unique than what they can accomplish with the past. that doesn't mean one is better than the other. I'm just saying yeah. like, when I think of St. Lucia, I think of that Vendome, I think of the John door, you know, it the first thing. That, so that's why I, gra- I think I gravitate more towards the legacy releases. But I think if I, for a certain type of drinker, Especially someone who maybe isn't as into funky, more offbeat flavors. Even though I right. wouldn't describe the legacy as funky or offbeat, those stills, those pot stills are definitely care- like capable of yeah. some funky, offbeat flavors. So I could totally see starting someone on Admiral Rodney before point. Like it, it for me, it all depends on the person and, and yeah, that's what they point. like. So, but this is really, you know, I, I have a bottle of the HMS Princesa downstairs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. You know, obviously, I'm not doing a one-to-one comparison, but to this, in my memory of the Princessa, blows it out of the water.
1: Yep, I, yeah. I remember trying all three at a rum event, and m- my favorite is actually still the Royal Oak. But that's not because the Formidable is bad. I think the Formidable starts to age into a little bit too oak-forward for me. Just too formidable, this right? This is the right balance. Yeah. Whereas the Princessa is a little too young. Yep. All right, so we, we've got a winner here. Yeah, we do. It's the uh, Adamo Rodney Excellent. Royal Oak.
0: That means next up we have El Dorado fifteen versus Brugal eighteen eighty
1: eight. Finally, the one seed makes an appearance the one seed. in the tournament. The one seed El Dorado 15. I'm going to talk a little bit about El Dorado 15 now and give you the information, although I think most people are pretty familiar with it. This is the 15 Special Reserve, 15 years old, from Guyana, Demerara Distillers Limited, DDL. It's a blend of rums from the EHP Wooden Coffee Column Still, the Metal Coffee Still, and the Port Morant and Versailles wooden pot stills. So there's quite a few different stills that go into this blend and make it what it is. They call it Versailles
0: uh, in Guyana, by the way. So don't email us yeah. <laughs> telling us we don't know how to pronounce French. Versailles. French. We know we don't yeah. know how to pronounce French, but we do know how to pronounce <laughs> Versailles. But in Guyana, they call
1: it the Versailles still. So on this podcast, we call it the Versailles still. I, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. We're saved us some hate mail there. <laughs> uh, so, Aged 15 years, as we said, in ex whiskey barrels, is what they say. So it could be bourbon, could not be. And this is the big one. This is the old El Dorado blend. So this one I picked up a few years back. As Will mentioned when we talked about the 12, we won't rehash all of that, but there's the new blends, both the aged 15 and the 12. And this is the old one. So according to at least rum revelations, there is as much as 40 gallons per liter of added sugar. Grams, in this. not gallons. <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're t- you know, we've had a, a good amount difference. to drink here at this point. Grams per liter, 40 grams per liter, not gallons. We've we've seen in other places 30 or 31, 20, even as low as 20 in some places that say. So, Will, you'd say this one's probably a little all over the map with that?
0: Well, and I think this goes back to El Dorado's prior method according to them, of aging with caramel in the barrel. Mm. I don't know that that's as straightforward as just adding sugar to the rum. So it's one of those things where, I don't, I don't know, in my mind, I haven't had El- old Eldorado 15 in quite a while, but I remember it being on the sweeter side, but I don't remember it being 40 grams per liter sweet, yeah. you know, which would put it sweeter than like the Ranabuelo, for example. So right. I'm interested to see how this Double compares. It. And we'll have to come back at some point. And try the new El Dorado with this exercise as well. But we've already seen with the new El, uh, El Dorado 12 mm-hmm. that, wow, you know, dry, yep. doesn't strike me as overly sweet, and uh, a really pleasant drinking experience. So, let's see how I this agree. one contrasts with that. But we'll um, right. we'll nose it first. Wow. it's My first thought is like El Dorado 12 plus Port Morant. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> like, like we just said, that's what it is. Obviously, it has the Versailles in there too, yep. but it's like you get that mossy... Yeah. green banana
1: portmorentiness to it. It's very recognizable if you're you've had a Morant, you know, single eucalyptus uh, a little bit. Right, right, Yeah. So it's it's I would guess it's heavy on that or just that that's so dominant that no matter what you put in it you're going to Yeah, I I would, I would guess that's still yeah. like a
0: small component of the overall blend, but that is right. just it's so influential. Um, right. And I'm hoping that translates to the palate because I it's awesome on the nose.
1: Really, really nice nose.
0: Yeah, just really good. It's, I mean, for an 80-proof rum, a great nose. It really it, jumps, at, so it right. jumps
1: out. It's so present, right. It jumps out of the
0: glass, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to contrast that with the, the Brugal. Interestingly, it's a simpler nose. Yeah. But it doesn't get as... It's not like it gets completely destroyed like I was expecting I it to. It's still... um.
1: It's a nice nose. It's just it's I, it's a different it's a different thing. It is a different thing in certain ways and yet in other ways I'm finding some similarities. I mean you you can't discount the sherry and the brugal, but there's something there that I I kind of I, like you said I I expected it to be much broader mm-hmm. in terms of the difference and it's really not. It's it's holding up in the nose.
0: I think it's in in terms of intensity. They're completely different noses in terms of what yeah. they've got going on. And I do think, for me, the Eldorado 15 is a more complex nose. Yes. There's more stuff going on. There's more things yeah. to explore and pick out. The Brugol's a little more straightforward, right. but it does have right. a nice
1: punch to it for yeah. an 80-proof yeah. rum. N- now I'm getting a cinnamon note that I didn't get before in the first round on it. Oh, yeah. On the yeah, I see that a little bit. It's light, but it's there. All right. I'm actually... I'm going to go back to the Rugal first for
0: this, just okay. because I do think it's probably the lighter of the two profiles. It's good. This is actually kind of what I want or expect Santa Teresa 1796 to be. Mm. Wow. That's fighting words there. Like, I think it does a similar job as that rum in terms of approachability, in terms of sweet, everyday, common flavors. Yeah. The finish does kind of, I don't know, after we've been doing some of these rums that we're more enthusiastic about, the finish definitely leaves me wanting. I agree. So. You're right. All right. Let's check out the Eldorado 15. Wow.
1: Interesting. I'm just going to say it. It's too sweet. Oh, I was wondering if you were going to come out with it. It's too sweet. It's a little sweet. But I don't find it to be Boom Boo Sweet or Diplomatico Reserva Exclusiva Sweet I think it's less sweet than that. But yes, the sweetness is almost getting in the way of the complicated yeah. palette that I want. And that, yeah.
0: that's the thing that annoys me with this rum is like, I know the underlying components have so much to offer, but you're just, the sweetness almost dumbs them down. Overtakes it. Yeah. Yeah. It it it, it takes the interestingness out of it and just gives you the smooth, polished right. edge to it that is... Uh- yeah. Like, actually, what, what I get on the nose, <laughs> the, that Port Marantiness, is not harder
1: there. to detect on the palate yeah.
0: because of the sweetness.
1: Yep. I'm fully with you. Now, I will say this. I do like it. I'm, I'm enjoying it. But I just wish the sweetness was toned down. I, it's interesting because it's
0: almost like it's very sweet on the entry, and then it calms down a little bit. Yes. So, I'm able, whereas the Ron Abuelo, the sweetness really hit me on the back palate and the finish. This is the opposite. I get a lot of sweetness on the entry and then it, it mellows out a little bit and I get more of those interesting, enjoyable flavors. So, Agreed. I do, well, I have my qualms with this rum for sure. And I'm almost 100% sure I would prefer the new Eldorado 15, which we'll have to try at some point. I still give the edge to the favorite, the number one seed, the Eldorado 15 over the Brugal 1888. What do you think? Uh-oh. Is this our first disagreement?
1: I feel like it might be. Wow. Uh, I'm still kind of in between. It's not a blowout, right? It's very close. But there's something that I'm still, like you said, the sweetness is just, it's just kind of ruining some of it for me. The more I sit with it and the more I drink the Eldorado 15 the more i can both appreciate what it's bringing but also lament that i can't get the rest of it without the sweetness and when i drink the brugal it feels like yeah this is a uh, good it's not quite as flavorful as the eldorado is the eldorado is I would definitely, say definitely not as flavorful right it's definitely not quite bringing that but what it does bring at least feels good so man the sweetness I, I, on the entry is really yeah, I'm. I'm just. i I'm in toss-up mode here. Of like, ah, I. I really could see giving. Well, just this tell to me which one you want more. Po- point blank, which one are you
0: taking? You can only have one. I'm gonna go with the Brugal. All right. Well, the tiebreaker in this case goes to the less expensive rum, which in this case is the Brugal 1888. Is it really? Yeah. I hadn't because the way we have our notes. I wasn't sure. Yeah, its price is more in the lower forties to mid forties, whereas the Eldorado fifteen is more upper forties to low fifties. So. Yeah,
1: I, I'll, I'll say the caveat is like you. If this was the newer blend, that's probably going to be different. Well, let this be a lesson to uh, Eldorado and other brands. Wow, less sweet I'm, I'm, is good. Yeah, less sweet, more balance. Right? You know? Yeah, it, exactly. It, that's what, there, that. That's the key to it. Right, there's just not there's too much sweetness to balance out what this is. I think that's what they were going for in the Eldo 15, but they missed. And the the sweetness just kills the
0: interesting stuff yeah. going on from the Port Mourant Versailles components to that blend. Yeah. The Eldorado 12, which has fewer components to it, and in my memory, it on the palate far outshone the old 15. Yeah. So I will say the nose on the Eldorado 15 is fantastic and maybe one of the best noses of all, but the that sweetness doesn't come through as much on the nose like it does in the palate.
1: So I'm with you. Um, and, and it's just that the Brugal doesn't bring a bad nose. So it, it is matching up favorably, as one might say, in the bracket for me. Wow. The, look at Brugal just like streaking through this bracket, the eight seed <laughs> toppling the
0: one seed. And making it all the way to, it's it's now we're in a showdown with Brugal and Eldorado 12, and we also need to do Admiral Rodney versus Don Q. Yeho. So, I think we should go back to the Admiral Rodney and Don Q. Yeho. Let's pull those out real quickly. Hmm. Interesting.
1: So, I, I would say to, to start off here, in the immoral words of Ja Rule, the <laughs> rapper, it ain't even a question Between these two in terms of the nose. What's that whole line? It ain't even a question how my dough flows. (laughs) (laughs) You're really bringing in the early 2000s rap
0: references. I feel like I'm back at like maybe an 8th grade or a ninth, 10th grade dance right now. (laughs) (laughs) We met Ja Rule once upon a time. Really? He was like
1: five foot nothing. Yeah. Well, you
0: you make it sound like you and me met Ja Rule. I think you you mean you and your musician friends met Ja Rule. I never met Ja Rule.
1: No, I'm I'm so sorry. Yes, I went back in my other life as a musician. The the group we met ja Rule, one time backstage, nice enough guy, you know, but super short. Uh, wow, it's like when you meet people that you see on TV, you just don't yeah. expect them. Like Sylvester Stallone supposedly gets yeah. that a lot, and other people, Tom Cruise. Um, but yeah, he was he was quite short. Just a bunch um, of short kings. You know, if we're, if we're calling them <laughs>
0: short, that means they're really
1: short. Because like I don't, I'm like
0: five we're, eight we're and a half on a good height. day yes yeah, so. <laughs> yeah
1: exactly but yeah uh, for me I, i'm not like the the admiral rodney nose is s- much yeah. better in, in the nose department the admiral rodney
0: crushes yep. for yep. me um but remember that the strength of the don q was the palate. so a-
1: agreed yeah mm-hmm.
0: all right go and dive in it's so good yeah the don q is so good it is so good I could seriously just drink that all day and not be upset. And I'm... Honestly, I, I've i had... Again, like we said, we've had many of these rums before in the past. But because of our strong disdain for 80-proof rums, I'm always expected right. to be left wanting. Right. And I do feel that to a degree. But at the same time, I would be happy drinking that rum. All that That's such an expertly blended rum. It's just executed so well for AD proof. Yeah. And yep. yeah, you're hundred percent right about
1: it. go mm. with the Admiral Rodney now. Oh, shit's going to get real now. Cause these are really oh. good. Both of them. Also good. I feel I, uh, like the
0: Admiral Rodney captures more of the low end while the Don Q captures more of the high end.
1: I think that's a good observation and I, I would agree with you.
0: Yeah. It's a, a little bit of deeper Oak. Age characteristics from the Admiral Rodney, and more of that like perfectly blended sherry influence
1: on the Don Q. Man, this is tough, man. If these two rums were the the finals, yeah, I'd be a happy man. I'm I'm kind of sad that this is not the final between these two. This side of the bracket was really tough. Yep, because this is this this could could easily be a final. Yeah. Really great. All right. I I think I've got a a very slight edge. I do, too. You want me to go first? You want to go first? (laughs) I'll I'll go first. Go
0: for it. For me, it's the Don Q. Wow,
1: man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, For me, it's the Admiral Rodney still. I thought this might be
0: a, a parting of the ways
1: for us if you will yeah well so you said it best a minute ago which is you said that the the admiral rodney brings the lows and the don q brings the highs and they're both super well executed i think of any we've tasted so far these are my two favorites in terms of execution the difference and why i'm slightly granting the edge to the admiral rodney is the nose is better it's not a question, like I said. Yeah, the nose is that's better. That's true. And secondly, I prefer, between maybe the two of us, I think I prefer the Lowe's coming from kind of the bourbon background and and that oak influence and the spice that comes from it as a balance needs to be there for me to get maximum enjoyment. And that's kind of what I miss from the Don Q. As well executed as it is, it's a light rum that brings that elegance, but it misses that piece. And so that's why I'm giving the nod to Admiral Rodney. That said, I'm going to let you say your piece and then... Yeah, yeah I th- I think for me, it's harder for me to find
0: what the Don Q Grand Reserva brings in other rums than it is for me to find what the Admiral Rodney brings in other rums. So again, there's not supposed to be a scale of uniqueness, but right. to me, the Don Q is a little bit more unique Than the Admiral Rodney. And also, it's a little bit cheaper. It's around the price point that I wish the Admiral Rodney was. And so, but this is primarily not considering price. It's just flavor wise, what the Don Q's got going on, I'm picking up what it's putting down, basically. (laughs) So I think a lot of this is just personal flavor. Yeah. You know, what we desire out of rums. Yeah. The Admiral Rodney is a little bit more attuned to you, the Don Q is a little bit more attuned to me. Both great. Again, this goes back to what we're saying all the time, which is don't just poo poo every Column Still rum. There are some really great ones out there. And I think both of these are examples of really good Column Still rums. You're right. But
2: yeah. All right. Unfortunately,
0: I'm not budging. I don't think you're budging either. I was going to say. So I guess we have to go down to value. I guess we have to go to the tiebreaker, which. You know, the last it's one the last one on seemed to favor you. I think this one might favor me. Wow. So the Don Q, Grand Reserva, somewhere fifty-four, ninety-nine. It's like fifty, mid fifties to sixty range. Admiral Rodney is more mid seventies to seventy range, maybe upper sixties in some places. So if we're going by the rules of the tiebreaker, John, that means that unfortunately this is the end of the road for the admiral rodney cue the boys to men
1: (laughs) cue the boys to men
0: (laughs) what's the appropriate boys to men song to play in this situation
1: end of the road that's what i was in oh okay
0: see i'm a little less familiar with the catalog can you can you give us some give us a few bars
1: i think that's the right key uh, it's a oh my god! I'm forgetting the the, the song now. <laughs> you just remembered the bass part. Yeah, it, I haven't heard it in so long, but I know it's end of the road. And you know that I'm right. Why do you play with my heart and why do you play with my mind? There it is. All right, that's We're enough. Revealing of that. the hidden talents. <laughs> um all right so you got that one and i will say that the don q Gran anejo is a really spectacular value so I, I, I get why that moves on and by the way i would have argued that the admiral rodney box and bottle was adding another five to seven to maybe ten dollars <laughs> but in this case the don q is so good of a bottle too i can't make that argument so all right all right it well, moves there you on go. from the man himself all right, so now
0: we're going to do El Dorado 12 versus Brugal 1888, and this will determine okay. what the final is. We know yes. Don Q is advanced to the final, so whatever wins this is going to go up against Don Q in the final. All right, I'm going to set these up real quick. Yeah. I'm excited to go back to the El Dorado 12 because that was that was also a standout. You know, you were talking about Don Q and Admiral Rodney being right there. I think I have the, Don, the El Dorado 12 being right there as well, so it'll be interesting to compare those all right so going back to these noses at this point they're both familiar oh man the Eldorado 12 you know it doesn't have everything the 15 has but it does it's it, I, I'm, I'm getting like a mintiness to it as well that i don't you know. think i picked up on initially
1: i i i i, I get you I feel like I recognized it, but we didn't vocalize it.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It was like familiar, but I didn't put the words to it
1: the first time. Yeah, yeah. There's like a menthol. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But I will say the the Brugal nose is is great. Yeah, it it's, is. It's, it's really good. solid. It's rock solid. Solid is the right word. Yeah. Yeah, so the noses are, are both good, but I kind of, I have to agree that there's, there's just something more going on with the Aldo 12. Yeah. You know, I'm tasting the, the Brew All-1888 at this point. At this point, I'm
0: trying to, or splitting hairs, you know? Yeah, I agree. So, got to get a little bit more critical. I do get kind of like, a on the finish of this one, almost a wet newspaper
1: sort of quality. Yeah. That I'm not as big a fan of. I think I see what you're you're going at, but it doesn't bother me hmm. somehow.
0: It's not that it bothers me. It's just that it's there. And I'm looking for (laughs) reasons to be negative about these rums at this point, you know. I'm going to do the same treatment to the Eldorado 12, so.
1: Yeah. It's really hard to find fault in in this palette for Eldorado. Wow.
0: Yeah, it's really just, um, when you compare that experience to the 15, which was the old 15, again, this is the new Eldorado 12. It's like, why did they ever think they need that sweetness there, you know?
1: Yeah. It's not close.
0: No, like to In me this on, on the palate this the El- and I know we're just supposed to be comparing this to the Brugal eighteen eighty eight, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this Eldorado twelve blows the fifteen out of the water. Yep. Yeah. Like I don't have to think twice about it.
1: I I know as we're going on, it's getting a little quicker and easier for us to tell. I think that's part of just the exercise yeah. itself. But uh, you know, I'm gonna spare the suspense and just say I think it's the Eldorado twelve here. The Brugal is given a mighty showing. I think it's it, it it really came up in my estimation even more than where it was just in this bracket, but this Eldorado 12 is spectacular and it's hard to beat. It it smokes the Brugal 1888, no shade meant
0: to the Brugal 1888. Right. Right. And I'll be completely honest, I had a little taste of Brugal 1888 within the last 6 months at some point and yeah. I remember just being like wow, there's nothing going on with that rum. And this exercise has made me a lot more appreciative and favorable of it than my previous perception was, especially since I had such a negative perception of the Brugal and Yeho. I actually think 1888 is a perfectly solid 80 proof rum emblematic of the style that it's going for even with a right. little bit of added sugar which i wish wasn't there but isn't really that detectable overall to me so yeah it's uh it's had a hell of a run let's see it started out as an eight seed first it took down the monty Mouse classic gold nine seed then it took down the Eldorado 15 the Eldorado 15 which was the one seed it's just a right. total giant killer out here yeah um <laughs> But yeah, it's it's that's 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 really funny that it just completely crushed, not crushed, but like we both agreed. Or no, I was a no, little no, bit no. more towards yeah, the Eldorado fifteen, but it was you, a respectable decision. Agreed by you that the Brugal yeah. would advance over that, but now it's being undone by the new the, Eldorado the little twelve. Little brother, yeah. yeah, it's a revenge story. It is amazing. All right,
1: yeah. Well, we can lay the Brugal to rest. So, we've got our final. It's the four seed, El Dorado 12, and the three seed, the Don Q, Gran Añejo, or Gran Gran Reserva. Gran Reserva. Wow. Okay.
0: We made it all the way. El Dorado 12, Don Q, Gran Reserva. Four seed versus three seed. Not quite a Cinderella story, but neither of the two biggest favorites advanced. Right. To, to I, your I chagrin wish,
1: perhaps. <laughs> well, I with, do think with that the Eldorado was yeah. <laughs> um but I kind of wish at the beginning of this we would have asked people to like pick a favorite or something mm. so that they could follow along with it. I know we didn't do that, but hopefully people in their did. heads hopefully. I think people yeah. did that. You know, it's just yeah.
0: instinct, honestly.
1: But yeah, I'm I'm excited to put these up against each other and see what we come out with.
0: All right. Well, we just did the Eldorado 12. I'm going to go back to the Don Q. And this is going to be really interesting because these rums are so
1: different, right? They are. They are. It's almost unfair. Not really, but you know, it is quite different. It's just hard to compare them a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So again, on, on the nose, it shouldn't be a surprise. The El Dorado twelve is the more complex oh, yeah. and the, the better nose. The Don Q anejo doesn't get It's there, the biggest really. weakness.
0: It is. Yes. Yeah. It it doesn't have a very interesting nose. Somehow, for me,
1: no, I don't yeah. think it's just for you. I think it's just—it's just, <laughs> it's just <laughs> not a very interesting. It's just nose. like
0: all the interesting stuff I get from the the sherry influence on the palate, right. which is like right. to me, damn near perfectly executed sherry influence. Yep, it's it's not really there on the nose,
1: right? But the Eldorado, and not just-
0: the, the, the Eldorado Twelve is much more. It's a much more congruent experience, I would say, between Agreed. the nose and the
1: palate. I agree, and it's more present, and it's just, its like you said, part of the experience. Whereas the the Don Q, it's just, the nose isn't really part of the experience. I I nose this, and then I would sip the rest of the way and not really nose it again. Whereas with the El Dorado 12, I would sit around, and I would nose it, and I would sip it, and I would nose it, and I would sip it, and that's part of it. Oh, man. I'm at war war with myself right now. Yeah. You know, it's like... When I drink the Don Q... What comes to my mind is well integrated, and by that, what I mean is it's. We said well executed and well integrated. It's kind of going hand in hand. There's just no flaws in the palette. Mm-hmm. I mean, n- no flaws that I can. Uh, other than it being, you know, lower ABV, but we've talked <laughs> about that. And it's it's just a pleasant experience in every way on the palette. By the way, I'll give a quick story about this. Do you know that this was one of the first premium rums I bought? Okay. And partly because of the bottle. I'm not, yeah. I'll, I'll not shy away from it. The old decanter-style bottle of mm. this one that is no longer available. I loved it, and I was like, oh, this just looks great. So I bought that, and I didn't really care for the rum at that point in the really? sense that I thought it was more boring than I wanted it to be. Okay. And now, with a better appreciation for... All you know, rum, and being able to place it into that in a way that I can understand how well made it is, well integrated, well executed, mm-hmm. all of that. But again, the the nose wasn't there for me, and it kind of felt thin compared to all these other things that I was experiencing in Jamaican rums and Barbados rums, yeah, and all that. So I used a bunch of it in coquito. Oh which, wow! You made yes. it a coquito rum. I did, and I. I didn't really love it there either. <laughs> um it didn't come through? No.
0: With all the no, coconut milk and the, right. the spices. Right. It just didn't stand up to it. Yeah. yeah. I
1: mean, I, I that's where I think a Don Q7 would shine, right? Now I yeah. know that. Now now I have that understanding whereas before I didn't. And I thought a better quality rum would make a better quality coquito. But Well, again, you, like we we said this is like a like an elegant, delicate kind of Exactly. Rum. And so
0: it's kind of yeah. like if you complicate it with a bunch of other stuff especially a bunch of heavy flavors that go into a coquito it's like what makes it special gets a little bit lost
1: you're 100 percent correct all i got from it was a little alcohol and that was it and so you just mentioned for the first time i think the word delicate yeah and i think you're right i think elegant and delicate is exactly what this rum is Mm -hmm. and it's the best of the bunch with those things in mind so that is... I'm going to ask you again. Is it yeah. better
0: than the Admiral Rodney?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd try. If, if that one is, you know, in, in this scale of 40% rums, if I give that one a 9, I give the Admiral Rodney a 9.5. Okay. It's, it's, it's close, but, uh, you know, it's somewhere in that vein. Right. So now the question is: Is El Dorado getting a nine or a nine point five for me? I think I think it's safe to say, at least at this point,
0: that the three rums that far, were head and shoulders above the rest. Right, El Dorado twelve, Don Q ground reserva, Admiral Rodney HMS Royal Oak. Right, I agree. We're in yep, agreement. We can there. agree on that. Yeah, that's yeah the surefire top three from this. Exercise. And the two
1: dark horses were 10 to 1 dark and And Bregal 1888. Yep. Yep. I think that would round out the top five. I think I've got a winner.
0: Man, it's so tough because I'm enjoying these rums so much and I'll be totally honest. I've never bought a bottle of Don Q Gran Reserva or Gran Añejo. Yeah, I've just had it here and there over the years. Uh, I have to get a bottle of this after this experience. Honestly, part of me wants to say it's For a certain type of person, the perfect introductory rum?
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: Just amazing in that capacity. Well,
1: well, well, yes and no, because remember, as an introductory super premium rum for me, I misused it and misunderstood it. That's true. On the other hand, I agree with you in the sense that it is approachable. And you know, there's a lot to like in there, even though it may not be the most complicated or complex experience of a rum. What it does, it just does so well. If I had to so, contrast the Don Q to the Eldorado, I would say
0: the Don Q is about brightness. And the El Dorado is a little bit more about... I don't want to say darkness, because that's not like... But it's just... It's darker. It's a little bit more... It's more of that bottom end. The Don Q really pops. The
1: Eldorado is more complex, I will say. It's almost like the Don Q is like the bright white kitchen... In mm-hmm. a house mm-hmm. and the and the El Dorado is the study. I was literally about to say the study. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The leather. Yep. Yeah. It's just got more of those deeper aged characteristics. Um a lot of leather. But also some of that like stone fruit vibe that you were yes. talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Are we are we ready to I don't I've know? Have win. you arrived yeah. at a
1: decision? I'm 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 solid where I'm at, yes. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first because I think mine is not as surprising. So as much as I enjoy the Don Q and agree, I'm glad I have what I have left of it in a bottle in my cabinet. The Eldorado 12 surprised me and brought more than... I didn't really like the Eldorado 15 that much from when Mm -hmm. I bought it. But again, going back to all the reasons we mentioned. So I didn't expect to like the Eldorado 12 as much as I'm liking it, but I'm really liking it. And like you just said... I've got to find a bottle of Eldorado 12, the new one now. <laughs> I have to. So I'm going with the Eldorado 12 as my winner for this bracket, and I'll see what you you want to do with it yours. Well, I'm not going to make things
0: dramatic. <laughs> I'm just going to agree.
1: Okay. As much
0: as I love the Don Q, I give a little bit of edge to the Eldorado. It's a bit of a combination of the nose delivering a little bit more and also the price point. So yeah, I mean it's just really hard to beat at that price point. And it's the squatty a really, bottle, squatty really, dark bottle that you yeah love the, the, the squatty. <laughs> I love the squatty bottle. I do like the bottle actually more than the Don Q bottle. No way. Um, which is perfectly no. nice, but They're the, the perfectly the,
1: wrong. But the El
0: Dorado, okay. it's just more distinctive, more memorable. It's got more
1: personality, more lovable. Mm, I don't know. It's got it all. Who do you want to show up to the party with? The Eldorado or the elegant, amazing-looking, tur- head-turning Don Q bottle? Depends what kind of party. <laughs> I'll say that much. All <laughs> right.
0: Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. So, we have a winner. Yeah. The Eldorado 12. Da-da-da-da. I feel like we need some sort of, like, yeah. special... Fanfare. Yeah. Some fanfare. This was a really fun exercise and it honestly was. has... I would say, if anything, it's improved slightly my appreciation for what can be accomplished in an 80-proof rum. Yeah. Although, as I- we've said many times throughout this episode, I would say that I wish I had a higher-proof version of all of these. Just bump it up to 90-proof, and let's see what we're dealing with at that point. That I'm would be great. You. Yep. I, I, I think on our, our last episode, when we were talking with Chris Franke from the green zone, he was saying his like, just please Eldorado, give like a high proof Eldorado 15. Um, that would be great Mm -hmm. as well. And we need actually like John, we need to go and just get a bottle of new Eldorado 15 and do the comparison. We should, I've had new Eldorado 15. I just haven't a beat it with old Eldorado 15. So we should do that and revisit this and maybe bring in the the new Eldorado 12 as well, but maybe do a
1: whole new bracket with El Dorado 15 <laughs> yeah. new blend and some yeah. other stuff. Yeah. If
0: if there were a 90 to 100 proof El Dorado 12 this version, yeah, it would be an automatic always have to have it go to incredible rum. So yep. that's what I would leave listeners with. It's like it's really good at 80 proof. El Dorado, if you're hearing us, <laughs> 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 just try bumping it up a a, a little bit. Even like 86 proof, I'll be a happy man. So I
1: don't know. Any any final thoughts, John? No, I agree with you that it, it did raise my level of appreciation for 80 proof rums out there. We, we so often we get caught up because we're hobbyists in the things that are, you know, higher ABV and special in some way and limited and all this stuff, right? When you've got these really, really good rums that are out there, that are just on almost every shelf of every store that you yeah. go into. But because of that pervasiveness, we tend to discount them sometimes. And I think we we need to refocus on saying, look, there are a lot of not-so-great experiences to be had in this field, but that shouldn't stop us from enjoying the ones that do it well. I, so, I, I feel yeah. good
0: about saying both of these final two rums that made it here are... Small miracles.
2: 80 <laughs> proof put it.
0: rums that somehow really deliver. So, yeah, going back to the original question, Sam, <laughs> <laughs> Don Q Grand Reserva, Eldorado 12, and we'll throw in Admiral Rodney, HMS Royal yeah. Oak. You won't go yeah. wrong with those as 80 proof rums. Um, I'm sure there are others out there. Which um, let us know if you want us to continue this journey of bracketing
1: out 80 proof rums. Yeah, we could do agricole next time. We could do, there's a lot of different ways we could take this. And there's plenty more, even 80 proof aged molasses rums to go if we want to do a whole nother bracket and a super bracket, like we mentioned, uh, that might be fun too. So yeah, we, we just need to know, is this something that is interesting, fun, valuable in the sense of hearing other people talk about these rums, put them head to head? We know it's not perfect, right? We know that we could have set the the, the seating up and had a different result here. It's possible, Right. Maybe Admiral Rodney wins in a different kind of setup. I don't know. You just, just had saying. to get that in there. I'm didn't just you? saying. <laughs> but the point here is that we are the, the the cream does rise to the top in this kind of method most of the time, and I think that that's important to focus on. The wheat on separates from the chaff. Exactly, a winnowing <laughs> fan being used. So, yeah, I, I mean, from that perspective this is a fun and interesting exercise for us we just need to know is it fun interesting and valuable for you
0: yeah let us know what you think let us know what your takes are on these rums you can always reach us host at rumcast.com that's h-o-s-t at rumcast.com or you can find us on social media john where's the best place for them to find us
1: at the Rumcast. We are at the Rumcast on, on the Gram. The camera eats first, as they say. I heard my one of my daughters tell me that <laughs> <laughs> recently. The camera eats That's first, is what she said. That was hilarious. Yeah. So, anyway, we're there. We're on Facebook still for all of the people over 40. <laughs> <laughs> we're there too and uh, clearly we've had a lot of 40% rum at this point and it's caught up to us will but um you know <laughs> we're, we're up, on yeah. x yeah we're on x for the amount of time that x is still a viable platform which <laughs> seems to be getting worse and worse by the day we haven't joined threads yet but eventually maybe we ought to join threads so uh, lots threads. of places to find us threads is that's not yeah. gonna happen yeah <laughs> anyway stop trying to make threads a thing yeah right is that just
0: <laughs> yeah actually that reminded me of the mean girls quote about fetch you know exactly one of that's the oldest it, the yes. oldest moments i've ever felt in my life was i saw a tweet or i don't know what it's called now a zeet or whatever on I have X. no
1: idea it's not a tweet anymore either
0: oh. it was a trailer for the new mean girls movie that's coming out and it's set oh. which apparently is like a remake like, they're already Whoa. doing a remake oh, of Mean remake Girls. Oh, remake already? And it said, it's not your mom's Mean Girls. And that made me feel... <laughs> wow. Incredibly... I was like the gif of um, Matt Damon and <laughs> Saving Private Ryan. You know, where yeah. he, at the end, where he like, transitions into an old
1: mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, it's a gif. It's a gif. Okay. Not a GIF. We're
0: not going to get into all that. We've, <laughs> we've had enough debate and disagreement on this podcast. Anyway... Let us know what you think about these rums or other 80 proof rums that you think rise above the others in the field of competition. Email us host at rumcast.com or send us a message on any of the platforms that John just mentioned. Anyway, we'll see you next time. Cheers.